Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Everybody and welcome in to the 2010s Penny Bloom Film Awards. It is I, Colton Robertson, and today I am joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here, and on this momentous occasion as today, oh. I'm even more proud to be here. Oh, I'm uh, I'm mighty happy to be here for the 2010s Penny Bloom Film Awards. Yeah, so we've done this for the 70s, 80s, 90s, and aughts now. We're doing our 52-year journey through film, obviously, and we like to reflect on all the movies we've covered at the end of each decade with a good old-fashioned award show. So we will continue that tradition this week with our last decade's awards because we will not be doing one for the 2020s. The 2020s will just be wrapped up into the overall awards. So uh, that'll be... uh, That'll be exciting. So last last decade awards here. We won't have another. Mm, this is it. Yeah. This. Uh, it was a good. I don't know what a what a decade it has been though. We've had a lot of a lot of four nines up in here. This it's decade. been a good one. It's been a good one. So the way we do this, our our awards is we only consider those movies which we covered, and uh, mm. we had a good good run. Of movies over the course of the last 10 weeks. Um, Twas a pleasure indeed. Let me get all this stuff pulled up for you. So uh, in 2010, we started the decade with Inception. In 2011, we moved on to Rise of the Planet of the Apes. 2012, we got Django Unchained. 2013, The Wolf of Wall Street. 2014, Interstellar. 2015, The Big Short. 2016, La La Land. 2017 Get Out, 2018 Blind Spotting, and 2019 Parasite. It's uh, it's gonna be a damn good race here for uh, for all these awards. As always, we got our you know our typical best actor, best actress, best director, best writer, best supporting roles, etc., etc. But we've also got set design, costume design, uh, best soundtrack, and then we've got the real fun shit where we branch into. Uh, mm. <laughs> we branch into all the who's the best at being the best, who's the worst at being the best, who's the best at being the worst, who's uh who's just a fuck, you know? Mm. Just all the fun shit we do we do at that one. Uh and so we start with the real deal shit. Are you ready to jump in? Oh, I'm ready, man. Yeah. We got a few more uh nominations to fill in if we uh if we want or we, if we just want to stick with yeah, I, I say you know we but, finished uh, the decade, we finished the decade and whatever was there was there, you know? Like if we didn't feel like true. it was worthy of being put up there, it wasn't worthy of being put up there, you know? I think mm. that's a I think that's the way to approach it. Mhm. Yeah, okay. I guess uh are we just going to start with set design then? I think start we start I think top? we start as we usually do with set design mm-hmm. here. So right. our our nominations this uh, this time around for set design, we've got Inception, 
Interstellar, La La Land, Get Out, and Parasite. Now we got a this is a broad broad spectrum here because a couple of them are predicated on the idea of just how incredible the CGI that they put forth yes. was, like Inception and Interstellar. And, you know, one of them kind of combines those physical aspects with the CGI aspects in Parasite. So, like, we got we got some pretty cool shit here. Yeah, and I, and I think the, the, mo- the classic set design nom here is La La Land for, like, the, uh, I don't know, like, I remember... Um, I mean, literally the sets of, like, Warner Brothers Studios and shit. Yeah. Had them the walking literal, through that. Those, Jazz clubs. The, there was, like, a montage of her, like, whenever it was, like, in that different... You know, it wasn't in the real world. Oh, yeah, the, in, the like... ending montage where they're going through hmm. what could have been, the what could have been montage. And, you know, you see that, that plain white, uh, hmm. that entirely white room that they're in, dressed hmm. in their white suits and stuff. And then, uh, you know, the way that that shit evolves. Yeah, La La Land's got some pretty on-the-nose, incredible set design, I would say. I'd, I'd say the first out here... Uh, is is get out? Get out of here! Um, get out! But I mean, that's just not what the movie was really. No, no. I, it okay, had it was just a house. It had essentially know, one it? set. I mean, the rooms in that house, pretty fucking cool. Uh, True. That 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 room that Daniel Kaluuya is locked up in whenever he's forced to watch uh, watch the TV. That room is very strategically laid out. Um, the surgical room. Uh, I mean the general plantation esque nature of the of the layout of the home and everything. It was a, uh, but yes, nevertheless, not bad. Yeah, no, guess, not yeah. bad by any means. There's a reason it got nommed. We only, like we have six slots for everything. Only five things got nominated. There's a reason it's here. You know, like it, it was mm. worthy of such a thing. But uh, yeah, I would say I would agree that it was the first out. Uh, just because, and my next two, funny enough, are the uh, are the CGI heavy ones. Just because mm-hmm. I feel I feel weird giving them set design, I just wanted to recognize them for their glorious visuals. You know, Inception and Interstellar are both so strong with uh, where they have their story set. It's just that nobody had to build anything. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't really build a can't really a build the fourth space. dimension. Yeah, that's that's a little little tough there. I mean, but they yeah, could. these these were the whoever two. that was in the way way future could. These were the two that I was between. Whenever I was like my gut, uh, because La La Land for like the literal sets and, um, I don't know, they used it very well. And then, but Parasite is it combines those CG and practical elements really effectively. You know, like that's that's getting hard because there's also the uh, the semi basement that they they live in. That's pretty. Mm. That's a pretty strong set. That entire street, which I am under the impression when you're looking at it through the window, is part of the CGI element. Uh, but they did have that street, obviously, for the uh, for the rain sequence. Whenever it was flooded, that's real shit. You know, like that's that's some real shit that they built there. Um, man, this this gets hard when you start thinking about those side by side parasite and La La Land. Uh, do you have a gut? Do you have a gut feeling? It feels more right to go La La Land. I tend um, I tend to agree. I think whenever it come like and maybe like set design just kind of changes like whenever movies are completely cg i don't know like whenever sets just aren't being built anymore eventually maybe like the cg set will be way more commonplace than actual sets and then 
I don't know. But, like, I feel like for right now, um, like, it's impressive, and what Parasite did is, is amazing. But it doesn't really feel like set design. No, yeah. Like, um, I mean, like everything it, in La La Land feels meticulously placed, even the stuff you're not thinking about immediately, like uh, Emma Stone's apartment. You know, like the, 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 the living space she shares with her four roommates, the wall being painted to have like a golden age movie star actress on it and like, uh, hmm. the, the fucking bathroom and the red lighting and the way that the green tiles and shit. Like it's like, it's just very particularly designed. So I, I tend to agree. La La Land was my gut from the get go. Hmm. Parasite made it a little hard, but I think La La Land is the right, is the right choice there for set design. Okay. That, All right, cool. that leaves it with a quite the succession, because the seventies we got Star Wars, eighties we got The Shining, nineties we got The Truman Show, aughts we've got Gladiator, and tens we've got La La Land. So those will all be facing off mm. in the the Master Decade Awards with every that every winner of every decade going toe to toe, and we'll decide who from the twenties will be joining that uh, will be joining that. Uh, competition but as of right now those are the that's the lineage for set design with that let's move on to costume design got some good ones here only four out of the six or seven that we usually try to lay out for us um we got Django unchained interstellar la la land and get out so la la land and get out a couple double noms here for the films but uh crazy enough you know again I'm looking at this. My first one out is probably Interstellar. It's got some mm. pretty cool. Yeah. It's got some pretty cool uh, spacesuits and shit. Uh, that's yeah. That's, that's about, about it. Though. it. Nah, that's about it. And you know, Get uh, Out again. My my second my second first out. I think. Uh, I think it was. Just I think it, this. I think the reason for the nom was like the imagery that was put forth through the costume. It was design. very like purposeful. Even, yeah. even like the black cars that they were driving up in. You mm. know, not like not a costume I guess. But when like Daniel part Kaluuya, of their kit, when Daniel Kaluuya know, yeah. arrives, they're all wearing the black turtle turtleneck thing mm. that they've got going on. And then at the end when they're like, let's do the coagula uh, mm. surgery, they're like, Alright, everyone put on your white turtleneck and eat your fruit loops with milk on the side. Mm. Yeah, I think I have I was between two but I think one, I personally like just about. Like it, 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 I noticed it while watching the movie way more, um, and that's Django here. I agree. Like whenever Django gets his first outfit, mm. whenever yeah. he's like, pick whatever you want, and he comes out with that blue, the f like straight Oof. blue. Um, like, I don't know. It was clean. Oh, and there's also uh, something about the period piece of it. You know, like, these aren't clothes we see every day. La La Land yeah. has more of that aesthetic of stuff you might see in the summer with all mm. the with all the people you know, you know. Uh, but Django Unchained, you don't see that shit unless you are watching a movie. And this mm. shit brought it to life perfectly. I felt like I was in that time period. I'm with you. I think Django Unchained mm. is an easy winner for costume design, which is really yeah. cool. I'm glad Django Unchained's getting an award because mm -hmm. it's uh, it, in comparison to the rest of the decade, it didn't do too hot, you know, uh, as mm -hmm. far as the ratings went. But uh, I'm, I'm glad to see it get some love here in the award show. So, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I think Django yeah, Unchained's think... an easy win there. Honorable mention for La La Land. Like, I liked the uh, the four different color dresses for yeah. the roommates at the beginning. Like, that was cool. Yeah, that's someone um, in the crowd ensemble mm -hmm. they've got going on. Uh, the yellow dress. 
during the What a Waste of a Lovely Night. Uh, mm. What a waste of a lovely night. Man, I, yeah, I gotta... Ooh, that's... I'm glad that you got me into the musical side of movies yeah. now. Cause yeah. It's, it's fantastic. I'm so excited but, uh, for a couple weeks from now whenever we're talking Tick, Tick, Boom, because that's oh, only yeah. gonna keep... That's only gonna keep making us all, mm. all happy and shit. Well, speaking of musicals here, um, we got soundtrack coming we up. We do got best soundtrack award, next yeah. up. Oh, wait, let's yeah. go through the costume design uh, lineage mm. oh, real quick. True, I true, forgot true, about true, that. True. Um, 70s, Star Wars, once again, one costume design. Star Wars kind of dominated the 70s awards. Yeah. Kind of unfair, and I, I worry <laughs> for the Master Decade Awards for how much our bias might come into play there. Um, mm. 80s, The Breakfast Club took the cake. In the 90s... The Matrix. Oh. Oh. That's a good the Matrix one, one costume design. One. And the Ots Gladiator once again one costume design after uh, after it also won set design. So a couple uh couple repeats there in Star Wars mm-hmm. winning set and costume, Gladiator winning set and costume. Uh, and then Django Unchained. So those will that'll be a fun comparison. Like I like I'm really intrigued to see who'll actually come. Yeah, very different Come out on top there. But, uh, you have, like, the slave era, the Roman Empire, uh, sci-fi. the future, um, just North 70, or what was the, 60s, 50s? 80s. For breakfast? Eight? Oh. Oh, I'm thinking of American Graffiti. Yes. Yeah, um, they were, for that they time, were emulating was... the 50s while making a movie in 1973. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then another sci-fi out there. So, yeah, that's, we got a lot of different, a lot of different types of movies there yes yes indeed but as you were saying the soundtrack is our next category and uh this one's this one's another fun another fun one we got han zimmer for inception we've got the django unchained soundtrack we've got han zimmer once again for interstellar justin hurwitz for la la land michael abels for get out and jung jai the second for parasite um you yeah, know, I don't know as if, a... if there's anyone credited for the Django soundtrack, um, but it, I don't know. Every time I look it up, there just doesn't. There's not like a. It says person like, I'm assuming it says like it. various artists or some shit like that. Mm. Like yeah, like there was a song made by Rick Ross and Jamie Fox, mm. you know, and then like John Legend and like there's yeah, it's just it's a bunch of just various artists. Yeah, um, but as an avid. Anyway listener of scores <laughs> I, I don't think it'll win anyways no nah, Django Unchained I, <laughs> and, in fact it might be my first out yeah uh, um I think I think that might be the case I did really like it but you know there's uh there's much there's much more I look for out of a score and you know there are two really obvious standouts for me in this one uh but I want to put some respect on the other ones first uh Parasite mm-hmm. Really great, great score. You know, I think that one's a, uh, it's mighty effective, you know, like I think they use it exquisitely well throughout the course of that movie, but Mm. it's not bringing me the chills in any moment just based off the music alone. In fact, some of the best moments in that movie are because of the silence when they have whatever Mm. happens happening, you know, like it is the absence of score that makes some moments heavy. Um, while some of these other movies, it is the score that is making the moment, uh, and I will I will get to that because it is <laughs> it is major for that movie. But uh, 
Uh, Michael Abel's for Get Out, another great one. This one is another example of the music being used effectively, but again, because it is that horror, suspenseful thing, it is very brief. It's all very uh, short, quick tones. It's all uh, very, very on the nose. Uh, but again, not not quite uh, the music that's making that movie worth it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's there's three movies here that that I like that even kind of deserve the discussion of who's going to win. Mm-hmm. There's two that I think it's between. But the uh, third is a good honorable mention here. Oh yeah. Yeah, let's talk that one then. Hans Zimmer for Inception. <laughs> yeah. Uh the you know the theme, like the main theme. It's basically just the main theme played different ways. You know, like mainly through that, but there's like some moments where it swells very well and like the mind-bending moments where it's, you know, and the classic Hans Zimmer. And, yeah. And I mean, great. It's definitely third place here. Like it's not, no not doubt. in the discussion. Um, no doubt. But, but uh, with, with the yeah, top two, tough it's, choice, it's tough because we got a musical score with Justin Hurwitz with La La Land or what is widely considered one of the greatest scores of all time and Hans Zimmer's Interstellar. It is my personal favorite soundtrack of all time. It's just got um, some really, really great <laughs> fucking sounds, man. Like, uh, yeah. there's There's some songs where, like, it's so recognizable of where that part was in the movie mm. that like it could get me to like start to tear like tear up a bit sometimes, oh yeah like thinking of the movie like the, and that's like insane for a score to to do that. that's what like, you I want that's what you want yeah. a score to do though you know what i'm saying like uh and you know what's i think that also applies for me to la la land um you know when you hear mia and sebastian's love theme you hear that dun 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 Dun, 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 dun. Man, Ooh. that shit will fuck you right up. That shit will uh, fuck me right up. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, These are very different. Very different soundtracks. Yeah, Interstellar yeah. has the grandiose, massive... Uh, it feels it feels big, you know? It feels like every moment is a big moment with the Interstellar score. While La La Land is expressly telling a story via the songs. Um Oh, yeah! I'm I'm getting a good, good little list, and I'm getting those boom, 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 boom of the Interstellar. Oh, mm. dude! Like, there's dude, so that many. Shit when, whenever they're trying to like uh, manually get the uh, oh. locking me- mechanism on, yeah, and, and he's spinning yeah. and he's holding it. Yeah. It's, oh, dude! Yeah, and I think oh. it's paralleled with like Murph doing some really intense shit, and it's like, oh my god, all this it's, shit is so he's, good. I think he's doing that, and she figured out it was through the watch, mm. I think, at the same time. Or, or is she about to burn down homie's crops? Ooh, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. She's, like, saving the – getting the kids out of yeah. there. Yeah. And, like, getting them out of the house. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. God damn. That's a good fucking score, man. That's a good fucking score. Um, and this is this is hard. This is This is really hard. I actually – uh, am not leaning one way or another. Mm. You know, I think that because they are so different. One of them is that uh, is a musical, so it's it's it gets harder. You do you prefer the Tick Tick Boom soundtrack or La La Land's more? Ah, uh, you've 
you put me in a hole here because mm. <laughs> uh see i i if you look at my like recitify i've had spotify for like eight months Mm-hmm. If you look at my Recitify for like my all time, there's like three or four Tick Tick Boom songs on. Wow, there. it's like I, it's ridiculous. Uh, so mm-hmm. I I've listened to Tick Tick Boom a lot more. Yeah, I like Tick Tick Boom more. Like I like the songs mm-hmm. more because I think Andrew Garfield's got a better singing voice than either of them. The songs were actually written by. Uh, the guy who the musical is about. Mm. Um, Ooh, okay. So, like... Because I was going to ask if it was Interstellar versus Tick, Tick, Boom. Like, is that... I mean, I would I would have a hard time, but I do think I would go... I'm leaning more towards Interstellar here. I don't think I would be leaning towards Interstellar there. Hmm. Wow. Okay, that's that's what I was curious on. If, if you switch those movies, does Tick, Tick, Boom beat out Interstellar? It comes it, for me. It comes closer. It comes closer. Mm. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know, but it comes closer just because. And the, that's the thing with the soundtrack thing is getting musicals involved gets really hard. We had the same discussion back in the nineties mm. for La, for Lion King, um, where we actually went ahead and just excluded it because it was a musical. Um, we were like, it obviously deserves its respect, but uh, we're not going to pick that it. one. Those songs weren't. I mean, it's Lion King versus, like, a serious musical, like, or, like, a more serious Well, and there's also the fact that, like, Lion King was nothing but sung songs. You know, there are moments Mm. where the music swells and stuff, but La La Land has a lot more scored moments, not not just musical songs that, like, everyone's Mm. gonna be singing and some shit, you know? Like, they do play, and the one I point to is... Me and Sebastian's love theme, like that's there are no words during that. Uh, the uh, that one is oh the that uh, one is so good. Oh the fucking uh, what's the place? What's the fucking place called? The observatory. Mm, oh, where they had yeah 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 their first where kiss. they have their first kiss and shit like mm-hmm. uh, planetarium. That's what it's called. Planetarium is a gorgeous fucking song. No words in that summer montage. Another gorgeous song. You know that city of stars. Mm, like yeah, nah. yeah, like that shit's Ooh. crazy. That shit's Can we crazy. have a dual winner? Oh, it'd, be, it'd be nice if we could just say they both win here, and they're just so different that you can't say one beats out the other. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like oh, here's this, the thing: for the first time ever, I would be, I would either be willing to go ahead mm. and label a co-winner, or I'd be willing for the first time ever to actually flip a coin for a winner here. Um, Ooh. We've never Question done that for here. the award show. We usually pick because I've been like, nah, I think we can come to a conclusion. Here, I won't be able to. If you have someone where you're like, I think I'm leaning this way, I will go with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, The thing I'm thinking of now is th- this winner is going to have to go up against Star Wars, Raiders, Jurassic Park, uh, Avatar. I guess Avatar's not really on the same level as Jurassic Park, Star Wars, and Raiders. Um, no matter who like, wins here, they have to go against John John Williams, three separate John Williams movies. And I have a feeling Interstellar stands a better chance versus those than La La Land. I and thinking agree. of it that way, I would I would say of the 2010s, both of them win. 
because they are just kind of different. Can't compare them. But okay. if for the master, the winner that we will compare to the others can be Interstellar. Isn't that or kind is of that, indicative that of what we? I would guess so. Interstellar is just the winner. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Because okay. when you put it like that, I think you're right. Like I look at Interstellar versus those John Williams scores, and I go, "Oh, that has a shot." I look at La La Land versus those John Williams scores, and I go, well, I'm obviously going to go with one of my John Williams scores. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I mean, and that's that's a like crazy thing about this like award show is that like second place it feels like such a like oh like a like smite so, like bad. But the thing is, is that it's still beating out in Inception and like you know like Parasite, I guess if it were, which is a yeah, gorgeous it, score. Like it's still second to. The greatest movies. I mean, not we don't pick the greatest movie every year, but I mean, like usually it's the biggest movie. It's or, up there, you know. Um, I I think of yeah. the ones we had here, the best movie of 2010, the best movie of 2012, the best movie of 2016, 17, and 19. Like I have no yeah. doubts about that for the score section. Um, yeah. Those were some of our more our more legit legit choices mm-hmm. of the decade. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. Interstellar just has this atmosphere to it. That's too, like I said, it's grandiose. It's huge. It feels, feels important. You know, mm-hmm. every every second you're listening, every second you're listening to it. But I was about to say, like, imagine Interstellar without the soundtrack. But then, like, it doesn't really do much to compare to La La Land because, like, if you take the soundtrack out of La La Land, then you don't have like, a movie. Yeah, it's just not even there. But like, if you do take the soundtrack out of Interstellar, like, I think it's still a good movie. But I don't think you feel Mm-mm. like the importance of of certain events. Or... Those the that is the premier example for me of a movie being enhanced by a score. Like hmm. there are other like like of these other decades we've had where Star Wars won in the seventies, Raiders won in the eighties, Jurassic Park won in the nineties, and Avatar won in the aughts. Any one of those, I think you can kind of change the score, and the movie probably stays roughly the same level of good. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe not Raiders. I think Raiders has, a, has an iconicism to it that is hard to separate from it. But Jurassic Park and Star Wars, I think those were a shoe in to be kind of epic no matter what. Um, Avatar, it had so much more going for it than the score, you know, like, I think 20, yeah. I think the 2000s were kind of a weak decade for our score nominations. Yeah, if that's I'm being true. Honest. Yeah. Um, if Avatar is the winner, you know. Yeah. Didn't yeah. like... Because this, every other decade, it's like, oh, yeah, that is a soundtrack in which I know of. It is iconic. And, like, like the first three, Star Wars, Jurassic, and Raiders, like, or Star Wars, Raiders, Jurassic, those are just some of the best soundtracks of all time. And you like, know what goes right up there with those? It, yeah. Is Interstellar. It, like, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's that's just only right. It's only right that this wins the tens. But uh, with that, we, we get into the, the, the best, the best section of our uh of our awards here for my money my favorite part to do anyway with best supporting actress best supporting actor best actress and best actor so let's get into it for the best supporting actress category we've got Kristen miliati as teresa petrillo in the wolf of wall street jessica chastain as murph in interstellar come on murph <laughs> don't go murph Hmm. Give God me to stay, Murph. Oh. Oh, don't let him go, Murph. 
Don't let me go. Stay. God damn, that's such a good moment. But again, that was a Matthew McConaughey moment, not a Murph moment. But uh, Catherine Keener as Missy in Get Out. Betty Gabriel as Georgina in Get Out. Jasmine Cephas Jones as Ashley in Blind Spotting. Janina Gavankar as Val in Blind Spotting. Or So Dom Park as Ki Jung in Parasite. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, straight off rip, I'm between two. Uh, I'm between three, but I'm really between two. Okay. If that makes sense. Like, the third one's, like, kind of in the same inception of the soundtracks mm. realm for me. Uh, I'm going to put some respect on the other ones real quick, though. I love Kristen Milioti. That's that's that. You remember, like, I think it was the 90s awards where I, I nominated Keanu Reeves in the best actor. And, like, we got on there and I was like, yeah, Keanu Reeves is easy the first one out. But I had to include him. I love him to death. That's Kristen Milioti for this section here. Um, mm, yeah. I love <laughs> me some Kristen Milioti. And she did great as Teresa Petrillo, but she does not get a chance to shine the way that a lot of these other actresses did get to. Um, I mean, she did have one great scene, like like we do with all of these actresses. We like to have the Oscar moment, mm-hmm. what they would play at the award show when they show their nom, and uh, her finding out that uh, Jordan Belfort cheated and was in the car with Margot oh. Robbie. Um, and she's like, how could you do this to me? I don't even recognize you anymore. Like, that shit is fucking gas she kills that but uh i guess I, the part she, the parts that she was in like yeah she she did great it's just that she didn't have much of a role in the movie you know she didn't she didn't have the ability to really do what she could do but i agree i agree but uh yeah i, I did i do love krista Meliotti though yeah. but had to had to go ahead and uh scratch her from the list here real quick uh my next easy out Catherine Keener as Missy and Get Out. Um, another one who just didn't have... I mean, she was in a lot of scenes, you know, but she plays this really stoic, kind of scary, off-putting character for a lot of the movie. Doesn't have to provide us a lot of depth. Um, it's just kind of there. Uh, mm-hmm. And not to say it was a bad performance. She got nominated here, you know. Like, that's... Uh, she did She did fucking great. It's just that... uh. I felt like we got more range out of a lot of other actresses in this movie, in this category, uh, and in the movie, as we do have mm-hmm. another Get Out nom who I don't plan on talking about here in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like I like Catherine Keener. Uh, I, that was another one who I threw her in here because I just I generally like the actress. Um, I've seen her in a lot of stuff, and she's a great actress. I just don't think that Missy in Get Out is worthy of the win here. I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you so far here. I think we'll have the same three that we're between uh, at the end of this. So it's playing out correctly. So and it's far. getting it's getting hard because now I'm like, okay, mm. maybe maybe it was like four. Okay. Um, because the next one I'm gonna go to is Janina Gavankar as Val in Blind Spotting. I thought she was great uh, in the scenes that she was in, but uh, again, I think she kind of has that Kristen Milioti effect in this movie where she was uh she was a prominent presence in the scene she was in but uh there are just a lot of other performances that are like oh man they really killed that shit so i'm gonna go ahead and have to pick them you know what i'm saying i think that's sort of the that's sort of the vibe here uh, especially when you got jasmine cephas jones as ashley also in that movie um she has some of my favorite scenes of oh like the her moments movie. yeah like 
Her moment? Ooh. Yeah, like I didn't even have an Oscar moment for Catherine Keener as Missy. You know, like that was like I couldn't I couldn't tell you one. But uh Janina Gavankar, whenever that story is being told about uh about how uh shit David Diggs' character Colin got sent to jail. Mm. Um and Oh she's, that's right. And she, you know, and she's like all over a drink. You know, she's got the tears welling in her eyes and she's, she's real, she's really in it in that moment. I mean, she's got a few great moments that, uh, uh, braiding his hair, that seems really great. Like, I think what really gets me there is that Janina Gavankar and David Diggs had amazing chemistry. Like, I felt hmm. it when they were on screen together, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's another, there's another actress the who had even movie. better chemistry yeah. with <laughs> Raphael Casal. So, like, it's yeah. like, Ah, it's yeah. hard hard to say, you know. So, uh, I did and, like Janina Gavankar, but she's definitely my next out. Um, wasn't there like a a spinoff like show with her and like them in it? And, like it's yeah, Jasmine Cephas Jones is the main character in the in the yeah. spinoff series Blind Spotting uh, as Ashley. Which um, makes sense. I mean, if there's a character the... from that movie, you go ahead and make a spinoff for. I think it is. I think it is Ashley. Mm. So I mean, it, so this would. What was the one that uh, you put in? So you were at three. Jasmine Cephas Jones was the fourth okay. that I threw in there, okay. but it was only because yeah. I made it to that point in the list and was like, "Ooh, never mind. Oh, I gotta minute. have her." Her part was actually really uh, strong. Yeah. Um, but other than that, Betty Gabriel was the three. Uh, as as Georgina loved that Jessica Chastain as Murph was my two, and Sodom Park as Ki Jung is my one. Um, that's mm. kind of where I'm at. I really love Sodan Park as Ki Jung. I think she is fucking fantastic in that movie. Uh, she killed it. She killed it. Yeah. And the only reason I struggled, like, we didn't have a best leading, we didn't really go for mm. a best leading actress in Parasite except for, uh, the, the trophy wife. But it almost feels like you could flip these noms and it would yeah. feel just as right. Mm. Um, I think it was more of the actual, like, first listed actress in Parasite. Like, it isn't. Um, so Don Park. Which is, is crazy. I think we put her here because we kind of knew that she would win this one, yeah. I feel. Uh, and she wouldn't, I don't think she, she would win uh, this, the, the one down here. Probably not. I mean, Probably she doesn't, yeah. But, like... I think that's kind of why we were like, actually, I'm, I'm okay with with throwing her in supporting actress because I think she she deserves the win. Uh, that, got... That's who I who I was who I was going with as my one. Yeah, uh, she was my start, she was my so. gut feeling from the get go with Sodom Park. I think she was just she's electric in that movie, man. There's like all my favorite scenes are scenes she's in. You know, like there's yeah. not. Uh, I don't think there's oh. a part of the movie that I'm like, oh, I love that part, God. and she's not in it. You know what I'm saying? Like she's a. Uh, I'm She's so glad good. that that we covered this movie. Like I'm, I I heard so much of it, and like to actually, I don't know, just being the no now is great. Um, I, I mean, that's an all time great movie right there, mm. Parasite, and uh, she's she's a huge part of making that movie what it is for me. You know, uh, the little fucking uh, nursery rhyme. They they do for the memory device when they're outside the front yeah, door. Yeah, <laughs> that shit's that shit's epic. I mean, uh, her acting like the the art therapist. 
I need to speak to him alone. Yes. Get out. I will need the room. Yeah. Sorry. I never teach with a parent in the room. <laughs> oh, and I will need four sessions a week. And this um, isn't just tutoring. This is art yeah, therapy. My rate is very so, high. So I hope yeah. you're okay with that. <laughs> she was just too damn good. You know, like she was an incredible, she was an incredible presence on screen. Every, mm. every scene she was a part of felt like it was about her. Mm. You know, when they're all sitting in the living room and, uh, the father played by, uh, uh, played by, uh, shit, 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 uh, Song Kang Ho, uh, Mr. Kim, he was like, uh, <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, that, that driver, you think he got a new job? He got a new job, right? And she's like, shut the fuck up! You need to worry him. about us! Yeah. We're the ones who need help! You know, like, mm. that's, that's that shit right there. And she's, like, drunk. She's not even, like, she's not upset. She's not, uh, she's not being outrageous. She's just like, come on, man! Mm. Like, we're the <laughs> ones who need help, dude. Uh, I was wondering if, if that would be her moment. Is that her Oscar moment? Is it her drunk moment, or is it more of, of uh... I don't know, I liked her as the, the art therapist. Like, whenever yeah, that's she, my, like, that's like, that that's bag, my like premier a, yeah. example of, like, mm. I think that moment defines her character. You know, that, that art therapy thing where she is full-blown in that, uh... In her con man con woman thing mm. that mm-hmm. she's got going on because even when she's on the phone later as a part of the like a uh, supposed service industry thing that like they're like r- supposedly running an office and she answers the phone and does the whole monotone thing and talks mm. like she is a part of an office and her dad's like isn't she fucking amazing she could be a con <laughs> woman i swear to god uh, i absolutely love that shit i absolutely mm. love that shit but yeah like no doubt, Sodan Park as Kijun is my uh, is my pick for best supporting actress here for Parasite because that shit fucks. Well, we didn't have one for the seventies. Um, Not enough just, women roles for yeah. the seventies to uh, get themselves a supporting actress nod, but we've had one every every decade since. And uh, the eighties, we had Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood. The nineties, hmm. we had Gwyneth Paltrow in Seven. The aughts, we had Ruby D as Mama Lucas in American Gangster. And mm. in the 10s, we got Sodan Park as Kijun. Wow. This will be a fun category. Wow. Those are some different roles there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Marion Ravenwood. I love Marion Ravenwood. But boy, is she an easy out out of those out of those roles. Uh, yeah, I don't really know. This, that'll be tough between these three. And we're only going to have a tougher time with the 2020s once we get them involved because there's, like, off the top of my head, mm. just in everything, everywhere, all at once, there's got to be a supporting oh, act. Shoot. Like, there are two lead actresses in that movie. One of them is winning Best Supporting Actress. One of them is winning <laughs> Best Actress. You know what I'm saying? Like, for the 20s. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's already a lock. Yeah, um. like, I have, I have no doubt there. But, uh... So it'll be it'll be interesting for sure, uh, and I mean like once we get Tick Tick Boom and Nomad Land involved, I haven't even watched Nomad Land. Maybe my heart changes there once mm. I finally watch those. But I can tell you for sure on the actress side of things, everything, everywhere, all at once is fucking on everything else. Like it's not even close. Um, mm. But with that, let's get to the best supporting actors. So we've got Leonardo DiCaprio as Calvin Candy. In Django Unchained, Samuel L. Jackson as Stephen in Django Unchained, Christoph Waltz as Dr. King Schultz in Django Unchained, <laughs> Jonah Hill as Donny Azoff in The Wolf of Wall Street, 
Rafael Casal as Miles in Blind Spotting, Christian Bale as Michael Burry in The Big Short, and Bradley Whitford as Dean in Get Out. Do you have is is there a single easy out in this in this category here? Dean. Isn't that the dad in Get Out? Yeah, yeah. He didn't really I mean like compared to these other actors um I'm yeah. Uh, I mean yeah. Uh, no, I'm with know. you. This was in the same vein as my Kristen Milioti nomination in the best the best supporting actress. I love Bradley Whitford. Uh, so I was going to give him a nom, uh, but I was very confident coming into this that he would not win yeah. uh, or I come mean, even was, close. His role was, you know, still great. He got the nom and everything. But, like, we have names like Leonardo DiCaprio, Samuel Christian L. Jackson, Bale, Jonah Hill. Yeah, we got some got some big dogs up here. Um, woof, woof. But I, I, I already uh, I put Christian Bale out as well from the big short um i tend to he agree just, he just really you know he didn't have many lines it was just the way he acted you know like he just had to act kind of a little socially socially awkward. inept yeah um which was which you know i guess isn't he did effectively he did yeah. very well but it wasn't really the big part of the movie i'd say it, he was just kind of the the one, the first guy who found it, and so he, oh, and he was there. the obvious, obvious supporting actor nod from that movie. You know, like yeah. uh, of yeah. the other supporting roles in that movie with Ryan Gosling and uh, and fucking uh, pretty much anyone else in that movie. Christian Bale was the only obvious nom for the supporting role. You know, yeah. I think uh, everyone else is just kind of there. He was definitely mm. the next, the next best thing behind uh, Steve Carell's uh, bomb. But, uh, yeah, and then for Django, I'd say the two performances in Django that uh, like Samuel L. Jackson, I feel like it wasn't he didn't really have to to do a whole lot, and he was kind of just he just had to be um, a dick writer. Yeah, um, but like he didn't. I, don't, I mean, I guess like the uh, actor that I would choose out of this movie, I mean, it's between DiCaprio and Christoph Waltz, but, like, Christoph Waltz has way more. He is, he's the whole, he's in the whole movie. Yeah, Christoph Waltz um, is my, my definite pick from Django yeah. Unchained if yeah. we were gonna, if we were gonna give it to one of those guys. I think Leo and Samuel L. Jackson do fucking incredible in that, and the fact that of the three guys there, that Leonardo DiCaprio and Samuel L. Jackson are not the winner of that movie, wow. you know, like yeah, Christoph wow. Waltz is <laughs> is the one who dominates that movie. I think it speaks volumes about how well he did, um, because he did very well. Like that's just a mm. uh, he he was an incredible role. I love the uh, I just love the way he interacts with Django throughout the movie. Like him being like, I don't agree with it, but I'm gonna take advantage of it. Mm. Uh, that that whole thing he's got going on and. Uh, well, I didn't. Not, I didn't recognize that his name was Doctor King. Mm-hmm. That's kind of sick. That's kind of. He, he is a king. I mean, I, I, out of anybody in this movie, I'd I'd, I'd chill with this dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'd say maybe Django first. Actually, Django's pretty pretty sick. But yeah, yeah Django and Christoph Waltz. Awesome. That's a duo. That's a dynamic duo right there. Oh yeah, like that's gonna be a. Mm. Ooh. That might be a premier leader for that for that that's category later on in the show. 
Um, yeah, Dr. King, Schultz, and uh, Django. That's going to be hard to beat. But, yeah, we got a couple more noms here that I'm pretty confident are right in the same. Uh, I think we got another deal with that top three, you know, where mm. the third one is like, yeah, you're third, but you're not you're not going to be the winner here. And I think that's Rafael Casal as Miles in blind spotting. Yeah. I think he had an incredible performance, you know, because uh, he really immerses himself in that role. That's like just not at all the way Rafael Casal presents himself, not at all the way he, he speaks. He's uh, that scene again, it, the way we talked about how Val and Colin, Janina Va- uh, mm. Carr and David Diggs had chemistry. Rafael Casal and Jasmine Cephas Jones's chemistry was off the fucking charts. Um, that scene where he comes home after she kicked him out for having a gun in the house and uh, not telling her about it, and he's he's like, "Man, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry," and, and you know the whole "Don't call me that," and she's like, "What the mm. what?" And he's like, "All right, all right," like that that whole thing. That's a fucking great scene, you know. Like that's mm. a. That's that's a fantastic scene, and and frankly, Miles and Colin. I know I was talking about that's how another duo right there. Yeah, I, I know I was talking about how Janina Gavankar and David Diggs had chemistry, and how Jasmine Cephas Jones and Raphael Casal had chemistry. But the best chemistry in that movie comes from David Diggs and Raphael Casal. Like they, you can tell they are homies. Like those are those are best friends. You feel me? What about Love and Tars as a dynamic duo for this this decade? Um, it's I don't know. It's loved ours. I guess Murph and, and Matthew Gonzalez is, is pretty strong there. No, Murph! <laughs> yeah. But, um, I don't know. It, this is tough between these two because Jonah Hill and Wolf of Wall Street, this is like one of the only Jonah Hill performances where, like, you just don't know it's Jonah Hill. You know, it, like, it's like the one time that you're like, he's actually doing a great job. Like, he's he's acting his role. ass off here. And, yeah. Like, he. And, like, I guess the, his other movies are. You show me, you show me a pay stub for fifty two thousand dollars, and I'll I'll quit my job right now. <laughs> yeah, like it's and he fucking did it. <laughs> it's, it's two actors in this movie. You have Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill. Where every movie you see him in, you're like, that's Leonardo and that's Jonah Hill. But like, unless they do a really good job of getting in the character in this one, Jonah Hill does. Um. I just don't know which performance I like better out of Christoph. No, I, 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 Donnie, I heard this. I heard this rumor, and I just got to ask you about it. You know, like, uh, <laughs> oh, is it the one about me fucking my cousin? Is that the is that the thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. What what the hell's going on? Yeah, okay, yeah. So I married my cousin. Oh, <laughs> what? A yeah, role. okay, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, that's what happened. And I like that he he has like the big fake teeth on the big fake white oh, teeth, and you can gosh. hear that little like that whistle. That comes through mm-hmm. when he's talking like that. He's got this. He's got this thing going on. He just does this really good accent that he does in that movie. That uh, I just don't. I just don't think he's a. Uh, mm. Like it is for me a career performance for Jonah Hill. I think that he, uh, like, thinking back to. There's only one other role that I can really confidently say I put on even close to the same level, and it's Maniac, the Netflix series, where he stars opposite Emma Stone. Fantastic, mm. mind bending. I think you would really appreciate it if you haven't watched it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a really good one. But again, it is a fantastic role. But it's not it's not him as Donny Azoff. That's uh, this this does get hard for me. I think Christoph Waltz as Doctor King Schultz is strong, 
But I think Jonah Hill as Donny Azoff is one of the most memorable performances I've ever seen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and like, for the movie, like, you take him out of this movie, I don't know, like... I think he's crucial to how much I dig Jordan Belfort and his dynamic. You know, like, Leonardo DiCaprio is obviously great in the role. But him being able to act off Jonah Hill for most of this movie was crucially important, you know? Like, and, uh... I'm I'm with you. I didn't come into this category thinking Jonah Hill is Donny Azoff would win, but uh, I think I think he does. I think Jonah Hill is Donny Azoff beats the likes of Leonardo DiCaprio, Samuel L. Jackson, and Christian Bale. Damn, Jonah Hill wins. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that day would have ever come? I didn't. Not me. Mm. Um. Well, let's go back through these best supporting actor winners. In the 70s, we had Richard Dreyfuss uh, for Hooper in Jaws. Uh, in the 80s, we had Robert Sean Leonard as Neil for Dead Poet Society. In the 90s, we had Morgan Freeman for mm. the Shawshank Redemption in Seven. God damn. That was strong. In the uh, aughts, yeah. we had Joaquin Phoenix as Commodus, a fantastic role as well. And now in the 10s, Jonah Hill as Donny Azoff. What a fucking succession that Look is. Look at that. Morgan Freeman, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, Jonah Hill. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, don't think he'll, I don't know. That's uh, tough. To hey, like I said, Morgan if you Freeman, can create but... and, and act one of the most memorable characters I've ever seen, like Jonah Hill as Donny Azoff is, is, <laughs> is a role I won't soon forget. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that. That's true. It yeah. sticks with me. I'll tell you that for sure. <laughs> what a fucking guy. Yeah, so I so I married my cousin. Yeah, what? So what? And the way how he like was talking as if it was fake, you know, he was making up all, or he was lying about it a little bit, but then he's like, oh no, no, like for real, I I, I married my cousin. He's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, you know, like, like oh what do I, what am I a cousin fucker? You know, like what am I doing? You you want me to you want me to fuck mm-hmm. my cousin? Yeah, you know, but yeah, I I married my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, there you go. That's that's a, I don't know. Wouldn't wouldn't have thought. That at the beginning. But when they smoke are. crack together in that fucking uh, <laughs> fucking, in that fucking telephone me. booth. Fucking smoke crack with me, man. Come on. <laughs> fucking smoke. Fucking smoke crack with me, man. Mm. Let's go run. That shit. Was, <laughs> that's such a fantastic scene. But um, uh, mm. let's get on to the best actress category here, where we've got Carrie Washington as Broomhilda von Shaft mm. in Django Unchained. Margot Robbie as Naomi Lapaglia. And uh, Lapaglia and The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, Anne Hathaway as Brand in Interstellar. Emma Stone as Mia in La La Land. Allison Williams as Rose in Get Out. And Cho Yo Jung as Yong Kyo in Parasite. Um, I'm not even like. I don't think I have a second or third in this category. Is it just Emma Stone? I think it's just Emma Stone. I think that she provides the performance of the decade easy on the actress side for La La Land, like, uh, because she makes that movie. You know, Ryan Gosling does not make that movie. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he's solid. He's good. It's what's interesting about this project is I've come to realize just how much I'm not a fan of Ryan Gosling's acting. I like him in movies, but like, not because I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna knock me on my ass with his performance. No, it's because Ryan Gosling's. Is, is, I mean, that's a cute fucking man. I like looking at him. <laughs> but uh, you know, like Emma Stone makes that movie. Without her, 
acting opposite him, it's not worth it. I mean, mm. I think you could put almost anyone opposite her and it'll it'll ultimately be okay because she's Mia, you know, like I think that's a uh, she's just got so many scenes that are fantastic and I mean her audition scene. Oh. Tell us a story. That's that's the one. You know, that's the Oscar moment for me, for Mia. Uh yeah, she yeah. she does fucking fantastic in that. And like what's crazy is of these nominees, there's not a there's not a close second. Like Anne Hathaway, like I guess her the scene that I would pick for her is like whenever she's like, Yeah, it is love and it is what we're supposed to you know, mm-hmm. like um, so what? Well, maybe that is the answer to all of this. You know, like well, that yeah, would be her scene. I'd I, say it's, it, like, it'll it leads me to go halfway across the universe to find find the person I love. You know, like that's mm. and that is a strong scene, and I think that is a huge credit to Anne Hathaway because she, uh, you know, she's such a presence on screen that it feels so natural. It like I can't. Like, it's not even, like, acting. It's just mm. Anne Hathaway doing whatever the fuck she does. You know what I'm saying? Like, because Anne Hathaway is is my second choice here, I would think. Mm. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Anne Hathaway's brand would be my, my number two here. Uh, and that speaks volumes because it's not close. And Anne mm. Hathaway is fucking stellar. Uh, interstellar, even. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, but this one's pretty. I guess pretty it really easy. was Interstellar all along. Nah, it, uh, Emma Stone Ooh. is Mia, an easy winner here for the for the uh, for the tens. Uh, this but is best some actress, competition for this yeah is... this uh, this succession here for for best actress in the seventies. Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia Organa in the eighties. Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley in the nineties. Lorraine Bracco. Uh, as Karen Hill in Goodfellas. In the aughts, Uma Thurman as Beatrix Kiddo in Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. And now in the 10s with Emma Stone as Mia. Man. Those are some women right there. Those are some women. Mm. But, uh... Man, that's that's gonna be a tough one to... Yeah, to no, that's... that's I, I ain't even... Woo. I don't even know where to start with that, you know? Don't even want to think about it right now. I don't even want to think about it right now, and I shan't. I shan't not. But uh, mm. with that, let's move on to the best actor category, which for me is my favorite category of the day. Um, we've got uh, just a, a fucking amazing slate of actors here with Daniel Kaluuya as Chris in Get Out, David Diggs as Colin in Blind Spotting. Jamie Foxx as Django in Django Unchained. Leonardo DiCaprio as Jordan Belfort in The Wolf of Wall Street. Matthew McConaughey as Cooper in Interstellar. Steve Carell as Mark Baum in The Big Short. And Song Kang Ho as Kai Taik in Parasite. Mm. We've been living ever since the beginning, and it's <laughs> like that. The thing for me is again, you know how crazy a category it's got to be for my first out or among my first out to be Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah, but it it it's what it is. It's how it is here. That's just the way like, it is, and. 
I mean, I love Django. Like, I love Django. I don't know if, I mean, I have four people in mind right now as, like, the potential winners. And you're, and, you're right in and those I don't, four. Yeah, I don't think Django... No, yeah, like, that's the thing, is that I think Jamie Foxx does a wonderful job as Django, but I don't think he had to... I don't think it's his performance necessarily that makes Django epic. It's more... He just had to be a badass. He just had to be a badass, you know. I think I think Jamie did. Foxx like, presents yeah. <laughs> really well as Django. I think that's just a really great role for him. But uh, like we said with a lot of these other characters, he doesn't provide a lot of dimension in that movie, mm-hmm. you know. Like he has he has some really strong scenes opposite Broomhilda, you know. Like that's uh that's that's definitely big. And Doctor King Schultz has a great dynamic mm-hmm. with him. But beyond that. I don't know. He doesn't stand out. He doesn't stand out amongst these nominees. You know what I'm mm. saying? Uh, and man, it hurts to like kind of knock out Steve Carell a little bit because like his performance was just really good and like what he had. Like the thing is, he didn't really have a lot to go off of, and it's Steve Carell that like got that emotion. Like I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't expect it out of him out of that movie. Whatsoever. Well, he, and he's the he's yeah. the heart of that movie. Without yeah. him, that movie we didn't rate that movie very high at all on the enjoyment scale and without him it is far lower you oh, know yeah. what i'm saying like uh he is far and away the standout performance in that movie but it's only so much I, like and he had to be the emotional center of that movie uh the whole journey he goes on after you know his brother his brother committing suicide and stuff like mm-hmm. that whole part of the movie was super sad um it, it felt like they were like, all right, well, one of these characters has to have an emotional heart that actually makes this movie worth watching. Yeah, and, and he's uh, the one that's like, are we doing the same thing that they're doing? You know, he he was the one who, like... He faces a they, great, hippo, like, yeah, yeah, like a, a hypocritical dilemma. Whenever he's, talk, like, across the table talking to that one super hedge fund, you know, guy that's like... Oh yeah, triple A's, but you know, explaining all this stuff to him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I can't believe it right now." He's like, "Are you kidding? Like, are you I can't kidding? even. I can't even. Like, I, I I'm gonna knock this guy out. I'm <laughs> gonna knock this guy out. Uh, like uh, that. The way he would handle all those all those moments was fucking fantastic. And uh, he he did fantastic. And the more I talk about him, the more I really love him. But that's the thing is that even so, he's still five out 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 of this. Like, there's there's not. <laughs> Damn. There's no way he, like, I was like, man, I really love that performance. And then I looked at the other four nominees we have left, and I was like, <laughs> he's still not better than any of those. Uh, so with that, I think our, our standouts for the decade are uh, Matthew McConaughey as Cooper in Interstellar, Daniel Kaluuya as Chris in Get Out, David Diggs as Colin in Blind Spotting, and Song Kang Ho as Kaitik in uh, Parasite. Hmm... No, we have to get rid of three people here. Impossible task here. <laughs> this is an impossible task. Because um, there, it, like, what's nuts, because it is one of my favorite performances of, of any movie that we've watched recently. I... For some reason, my heart goes, you know who's first out here is Matthew McConaughey as Cooper. And I don't want that, but I also want it the most. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, 
I can't I can't find a way around it. I'm trying to logic my way into him not being the one who is the first out of these four. And I think that let's let's go through Oscar moments, you know? It's been a it's been a helpful little tool for us so far. Um I think Daniel Kaluuya has maybe maybe the best of the best here with just any scene where he's just sitting there and he lets tears fall out of his eyes, it's absolutely riveting. You're like, oh my fucking god, this guy can act his ass off. The way he was acting, horrified, sad, angry, all in the matter, all in a matter of seconds. You could feel all of it in, in mm. one moment. It was so impactful. David Diggs, when he's pointing the gun oh, at the cop at the end is, of the movie, oh, like that. Yeah, I mean, like that's <laughs> without question. Oh, that's. <laughs> I, I won't lie. That's my favorite scene of this decade. Mm. Period. Uh, across the ten movies we discussed, that's my favorite scene of the of the entire decade. That's a hard question. Favorite scene. Because I'd say my favorite movie that we covered was Interstellar, and that's just that's just how it is. Like it. I, yeah, you know what's crazy is blind spotting. As far as like my favorite movies that we covered, is probably three or four mm. on the decade. You know. Um, I guess Cooper's uh, scene would be probably in the when he came back up or fifth dimension or he when he came back up from the planet and uh, time had passed and he was watching all his watching his kids grow up via these messages. Oh, I, oh, duh. Yeah, no, it's definitely that. Oh, when they cut back that. to him and he's just sobbing, man. Oh, no, no, fuck uh-uh. no, uh, uh-uh. no, yeah, no, uh. Uh-uh. And then obviously we've been we've been referring to it a lot, but the no Marv, mm. get me to stay, Marv. No, you idiot, stay. Hmm. Sanke Ho has some. What would his Oscar? Would it? Because I don't think it's whenever he kills the dad. No, I don't think so either. I think like, he's got a couple, and it's. It's a combination of things. It's his performance in that moment along with what the writing implicates those moments mean. Maybe you know his what moment would be like whenever uh, – because isn't it his voice that reads the letter to the son? Or does the son it switches. read it in his voice? Oh, okay. Because uh, the letter he wrote via Morse code he reads, but the letter that gets written back – yeah, so is I, read by the sun. I'd say um, if he has a moment, it's when he's reading his own letter because that's kind of like the culmination of his whole character. I I um, tend to agree. I think that's a really strong one. I also love the moment where uh, any moment he feels degraded and demeaned, whenever the uh, uh, the uh, pesticides are rolling mm. in, he's sitting there stone faced folding the folding the pizza boxes whenever they're in the car and uh she's like oh this rain it was a blessing and he's sitting up front and he's like his whole life was changed the night before yeah um oof man and it culminates in that moment where he is demeaned to the point where he goes you know what yeah i'm gonna stab this motherfucker um I think the next two, I think the top two options of the decade for me are Daniel Kaluuya as Chris and David Diggs as Colin. I think those are, I think those are the ones. And I have trouble. I have, I have big trouble uh, deciding which of these two I am 
uh, I'm leaning towards the most because I think David Diggs shows a lot of, uh, obviously I think Daniel Kaluuya gets to provide a lot of range in his performance, but David Diggs presents himself in a way that is perfectly level-headed and perfectly cool, calm and collected. He breaks down crying at a couple points in this movie. He breaks, he breaks out in anger a couple points in this movie. I think we get a lot more dimensions to David Diggs. And do okay. Whenever I'm thinking of Daniel Kaluuya, it was more of of the silent parts, more of the parts where it's just his reaction. You know, like he he gives exactly the emotion that you expect him to feel, and the face, like his facial acting, is very good. Um, I just don't think that that character had. Like, David Diggs, like, he had the entire movie to, like, the whole movie was diving deep, like, into him. And it, like, really got down to, like, him at the core. I don't know. I feel like he had to do more. Like, that end scene with the cop, like. Oh, no. And, like, there's there's just so much throughout that movie, you know. And, like, that's the thing is what what is implicit with Daniel Kaluuya, the way you were talking about his facial acting and the silent moments were important with him. Colin said the things he was feeling that's true you yeah. heard it in his voice uh you you felt it uh you felt it when he said it you know what i'm saying like uh mm-hmm. whenever he's on the phone with janina Gavankar and he's like uh that the the vase the face vases do you mm-hmm. ever uh do you ever come up with a thing for that and she's like yeah blind spotting because once you see something a certain way you can't see it the other way and he's like and you can hear his voice break a little bit and he's like when you look at me do you just see the fight now mm-hmm like ooh, oh. like oh. man, you just you just feel the way he. A couple great silent moments too. Whenever Colin beats that dude's ass at the party, and he's looking in horror mm. at what's happening. Like yeah. yeah, the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, David Diggs is our is our winner for the best actor, and I cu- I couldn't be more happy about that. Um, he's going up against some heavy big, hitters there. I mean, dogs. Leo DiCaprio, Matthew McConaughey. Like I mean, yeah, out of this category, he's beating out insane people. But as for the mat, like the other winners, <laughs> yeah, we got Marlon Brando he's... in the seventies for Don Vito Corleone. Ooh. We got uh, Harrison. We got Ford. Harrison Ford in the eighties for Indiana Jones. Denzel Washington in the nineties for Malcolm X, and then Denzel Washington again in the aughts for Frank Lucas. It's my boy. Uh, and then, David Diggs continuing that succession as Colin. Man, what a succession that is. And it speaks volumes about what a performance David Diggs put forth in that in that movie. Like that's mm. uh that's really awesome. But I think uh, two unexpected winners were the are both of our actors here. Yeah, the supporting um, actor and the uh, the lead but it actor. It makes you sense know? that we talk through it though. Like it it feels right. I don't I don't want to change anything. Oh, absolutely not. Like the, the more we talked about it, uh, the more it just made sense that those are who we ended up landing on. Mm. Um, and what's funny is on the inverse, the supporting actress and best actress went to exactly who I thought they would going into That's the category. <laughs> um, like yeah. I thought, I thought going into supporting, it would probably either be, um, Leo or Christoph Waltz. And then it went to mm. Jonah Hill. And then best actor, I almost, I was almost certain it was going to go to Daniel Kaluuya. So like, uh, hmm. But the more we I mean, talk it was between about it. those two, definitely. I think Matthew McConaughey is the third, uh, Sanke Ho fourth. Mm-hmm. If I were to place him, um, I don't know, maybe like, yeah, I don't know. 
I think we get a little bit bigger of a range with Matthew McConaughey than we did Song Kang-ho. Song Kang-ho was very stone-faced, very stoic, um, but it was the writing behind those moments that really pushed forth how how we felt about it. Um, but man, yeah, David Diggs coming in as the winner of the Best Actor category. That's awesome. Uh, with that, let's do this Best Writer and Best Director. Which do you want to do first? Hmm. Let's do writing because directing. I'm still like ah, I. I know, man. I'm looking at both of these, and I'm like, I have no goddamn idea. Um, when I'm thinking of writing, though, the story out of the movie, I'm. Oh shit! Yeah, you looked at it, and you're <laughs> like, wait. Five of these movies are, like, really fucking well-written. Oh, fuck. Um, um. Yeah, so let's let's go ahead and lay out the... Let's go writing first. Lay out the nominees. We got Christopher Nolan for the writing of Inception. We got Terrence, Rin- Terrence Winter for the writing of The Wolf of Wall Street. Jonathan and Christopher Nolan for the writing of Interstellar. Bong Joon-ho and Han Jin-won for the writing of Parasite. Damien Chazelle for the writing of La La Land. Jordan Peele for the writing of Get Out. And uh, David Diggs and Raphael Casal for the writing of Blind Spotting. Uh, on their Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon mm. shit right mm. in the movie they star in, <laughs> which is very cool. Mm. Yeah, this... Uh... I thought it was the easier category, and then I started to look at it. And then, well, uh, and that's what's crazy, is even though it is as hard as fuck, it might still be the easier category. Like, uh, director mm. is going to be hard as fuck. There's like a, there's only one difference there, and it's that blind spotting snuck into best writer, Django Unchained sl- slid into best director. Mm. Um, other than that, we've got the same noms: Inception, Wolf of Wall Street, Interstellar, La La Land, Get Out, and Parasite are nominated. And both best director and best writer, so goes to show just how fantastic those movies were. Um, if we're talking about writing, I think Wolf of Wall Street can't compare to all these movies because it was based on someone's life. And, true enough. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know how how fair that is. I, I guess Blind Spotting is. Was it? They just made that up, right? It, that yeah, was, yeah, that was... I mean, it was loosely based on their experiences coming up in Oakland, but it was not based on their lives, okay. you know? Like, it was just a... Yeah. And it evolved over the course of, like, a 10-year writing period. They'd been working on it for years by the time it came out. So, like, it was a, it was a long time coming for blind spotting there. If I am knocking two movies out, it's Wolf of Wall Street and, I think, Inception. Um, because Inception, I think it kind of gets a, a little too convoluted sometimes. It's a little too much. They were um, trying. They were trying for that. Well, it's a Nolan movie, you know. Mm-hmm. They were trying for that wild "what the fuck" sort yeah. of thing. And I think the issue I had with that movie is that the emotional heart of it doesn't come through. You know, like I'm supposed to feel for Leonardo DiCaprio. And I just, I just don't really, I don't give a shit about what he's going through at all during this movie. Uh, it's like literally the entire time they're on a plane ride. That that entire movie is over the course of one plane ride, and that plane ride could even be fake. It could be Leo's 
second level, you know? It's like, so how do you really feel for someone where you don't even really know, like, where they're... We don't well, see that's them the in other their thing, reality is that there are There are twists that mm. are exquisitely well done mm-hmm. and twists that I'm like, oh, shit. I had an idea of what was going on. I had an emotional tie to these characters. That twist only enhanced it. Mm-hmm. This was where the twist was all they were going for yeah. with Inception. You know, like it was just a, we'll we'll pack it all in and then we'll hope you like the twist at the end. Um, for example, Interstellar, fantastically done twist. Um, a twist that makes you go, holy fuck, no goddamn way. And you know what's kind of crazy is I think Jonathan Nolan might be responsible for the writing of how good Christopher Nolan movies are. Um, it seems that Jonathan is kind of the the writing brain behind. I mean, he he also did Westworld, as yeah. we as we are well aware, and uh, boy oh boy, is he good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, Parasite, another one with really effective twists, where you already cared about everything they were putting forth, but it was just like, oh my god, yes, like holy shit. Um, Blind spotting and get out are a little uh little different on the twist side of things where they're not as mind boggling. You know, like you know, uh you know get out is leading to this thing the whole mm. fucking time, really. Mm, yeah. Uh is leading to the coagula sort of thing the whole time. You know he's in some situation he needs to get out of. Um blind spotting, whenever they're like, Oh yeah, and here's the cop he watched kill a man. You're like, Oh shit. Oh shit! Like, Man. God, that, th- that's like... what's crazy is all these movies bring something different to the table. You know, uh, Interstellar gets the waterworks going in a way I don't think any of these other movies do. Uh, besides, La La Land by uh, written by Damien Chazelle. That's one where it's like, and that one even has a twist that you don't see coming, where the titular couple does not end up together. Yeah, dude, I'm like. The whole time I watched that for the first time, I'm like, all right, when they're getting back together. Like, I'm like, so how do they get back together? You know, I'm like, oh, obviously this isn't going to last, you know, like, right? And just never, yeah, never got that. But, I mean, it, it worked, like. And that's the thing is that, like, I, I don't want to say that a twist is required for a movie to true. be good. You know, like, that's not the case. But I will say Interstellar, Parasite, La La Land, Get Out, and Blind Spotting all had better twists than Inception did. And it feels like that's all Inception was predicated on, was yeah. trying to make make you make your mind go, Poof, mm. you know? Um, because I would say La La Land, it's not like, it's a twist on what you know this type of movie to be. You know, like what you know romance movies typically yeah. are and stuff. Mm. But it's not like, within the context of the movie, it makes a lot of sense. You know, like, it's not like, once you go and rewatch it, it's like, yeah, this was, this was how that was going to go. And it, it sucks. The mm-hmm. right person, wrong time thing. It's a really, sh- it's like, it's a really sad trope, but man, is it, uh, is it real? You know, like that's some, that's some real shit right there. Um, I'm, I don't know which one of these I'm getting rid of first. Uh, yeah. That's the thing is that, uh, if, if I had, oof, damn, um, like I'm thinking to myself, like interstellar and parasite are like a whole other level for me. They did and, feel you know, like the strong two. Here's, like, yeah, and here's the thing, is that none of them are an easy out, but I do think there are two that 
elevate above the rest. You know what okay. I'm saying? And okay. I think that is Parasite and Interstellar. And even then, I think about what these movies have going for them. You know, Interstellar is this big, this grand sci-fi epic with Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Sir Michael Caine, uh, scored by Hans Zimmer, directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Jonathan and Christopher Nolan. It's like, oh my God, this movie is going to be fucking good. You know, like, you go into that, you know it's going to be good. As, as an American who's unfamiliar with foreign film, for the most part, coming into a movie directed by Bong Joon-ho, written by Bong Joon-ho and Han Jin-won, starring guys like Song Kang-ho, and, like, it, none of it's in English. I have to read subtitles mm-hmm. the whole time. It's just, like, you don't expect to go, wow, that's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. As And, like, as I say that, I am now very different. This was amongst my first viewings of a foreign film ever when I did watch it for the first time. Mm. Um, and uh, so it just blew my mind. And it... yeah, it's very opposite movies. One big, huge budget of a movie where it's Hollywood, and then one where it's like it's grounded. It's very real. It's where just... they had to like work with what they had. Like at the set, like it's insane how much of that movie is like CG, and like the whole movie is basically the story is the Mm -hmm. thing like i love interstellar and it's one of my favorite movies of all time but like i don't really well i don't want to discredit the writing but no out of the the thing is that none of these that's yeah that's the thing is that i won't be able to tell you one wins over the other because of a specific thing i can only tell you why something is as good as it is you know what i'm saying like i can't be like well you know what this does that this doesn't do like I can't do that. They all do the the things well. If you like, if you get my meaning, um. I guess maybe the way we have to look at this is which one of these movies is the writing more crucial to, and like where did it, like just the writing, did it make the movie better? You know, like because I think if you if you're watching Interstellar. If it doesn't really have a good story, it's just a bunch of cool space shots. If Parasite doesn't have the writing, it has. It's a pretty dull movie, and you know that goes for that goes for all. Like I think the only one that uh, the writing is like, oh my god, I can't believe like that's what makes Blind Spotting and Parasite so good, is that they are. Movies that could have been dull and boring and not appealing, but they are appealing and they are so good because they wrote stories that were so effective and so uh, resonant on an emotional level. Like the first time I watched Parasite, I was fucking drained emotionally. Blind spotting, I was I was drained of my anxiety you know like i was like oh my from my anxiety it was like oh my fucking god i don't know i didn't know what i was gonna do i was on the Mm. edge of my seat interstellar has that same effect you know at the like at the end whenever you go like oh my god it was him behind the bookshelf oh my god it was him who Anne hathaway reached out to oh my god like all these fucking things when they come together you're like ah you know what i'm saying it's fucking nuts it's fucking nuts um And the, I compared Parasite and Blind Spotting, but I do think there is one that is obviously more well written. It's the reason it became 
the the top two with Interstellar, and that was Parasite. Um, yeah. Ah, man. This one, I think I might be between a coin, like a coin flip between this one. I don't know. I feel like, um, I do feel like the, we're just talking about writing here. Like, it's just the story. It's just how they wrote it. And like I'm, I'm, whenever I think of Interstellar, I'm thinking of all of the twists, like the or just the space, like the cool shots that I'm seeing. But Parasite is just filming a family. It's just a family going through this con, and it, the whole movie is the story. And the genre blending it does so effectively, the switches and tone. I mean, it's it's Parasite. Parasite is the best written movie of the decade. Um of of this I have no doubt. I have no doubt now that we've worked our way through it. I think it's uh I think that's easy. I think Bong Joon Ho and Han Jin Won have uh got themselves a win there for Parasite in the best writer category. But will he have a chance in the directors? Let's see. Best director, we've got Christopher Nolan for Inception, Quentin Tarantino for Django Unchained, Martin Scorsese for The Wolf of Wall Street, Christopher Nolan again for Interstellar, Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Jordan Peele for Get Out, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. So what's really cool about this is that Jordan Peele nominated for both director and writer. Bong Joon-ho nominated for both director and writer. Christopher Nolan nominated twice in both director and writer. <laughs> um, the only the only ones that doesn't that doesn't have the same writer and director are Terrence Winter working with Martin Scorsese. And I think Quentin Tarantino did write Django Unchained. He just was not, uh, we didn't nom him for that. Um, <laughs> um, or so was it based of... off a novel? Actually, no, it wasn't. Um, written by Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. Yep, no, yeah, he likes writing his shit, so yeah. I figured that was the case. But like, <laughs> that's that's a pretty cool, cool little note on this on this decade. I think for the first time, like more so than any other decade, we have this overlap where the director also wrote their movie, mm. and uh, that and that yeah. happened on a lot of occasions. I think the only other time we have that. In recent memory, where we got a winner at least was John Singleton for writing and directing uh, *Boys in the Hood*. I think Frank Darabont did both for *The Shawshank Redemption*. I think he wrote and directed that. Um, Guess we, yeah, yeah, good old George, George. The Wachowski sisters, the Mm, the Wachowski sisters wrote and directed *The Matrix*. John Hughes for, or no, yeah, John Hughes for *The Breakfast Club*. Oh shit, yeah, okay, so it's been it's been a fun it's been a fun history for us mm. but i don't this, think we've had it as prominently this is very as we did obviously here. uh yeah like it's kind of nuts that this worked out the way it did but um director wise um now this one i have two options off okay. the top of my head so like maybe we go through the ones that are the first outs um again inception yeah, far and away the weak, far and away the weak link of this decade. I think besides the Big Short, um, I think Inception, Big Short, is Inception, just, and Django Unchained to a lesser degree, but Django Unchained was also amongst those that made it dip a little bit. Uh, so there, and Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained probably does not get the director nod for me here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just riddled with Tarantino style, as his shit always is, and it really very well might be critically the best Tarantino movie. Mm. Um, it might be 
Maybe. Actually, now that you say that, I'm between Kill Bill and Django mm, as yeah. of so far. I guess what else is there? Um, I mean, you could uh, Once yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood is one of my favorite Tarantinos Ooh, I ever. Yet. Yeah, I haven't um, seen that yet. That's but, a really uh, strong one. I saw not, that in theaters. Um, the one that Pulp Fiction. There's Pulp the, Fiction. There's yeah, the, the name. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, no Django. I don't Django before this project was one of like in my top ten favorite movies of all time. It has since dipped below um, the top ten after watching right. all of these amazing movies. Um, but Django, yeah, no, it's definitely out of I think the director nod, but. Still very good. One of Tarantino's best, that's for sure. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, and like like I said, Christopher Nolan's Inception was an easy out mm. just because he had another nom that was so much better uh, with Christopher Nolan directing Interstellar. But even so, I don't think that's I don't think that wins my director not here. Mm. I don't I don't think uh, I think it was very effectively directed. I think it was really well shot. I think the, he got a lot out of the actors. But I think we have better examples here, um, and even a better example that I still don't think necessarily wins, but I do think is a more well-directed movie is Martin Scorsese's mm. The Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. I don't think that wins either, but I do think it was exquisitely well. Like I think that was a wonderfully directed movie. Potentially, that's what the movie has going for it the most. Is that uh, that's true? He just. He made a fucking movie there, man. You know, like, I think Goodfellas is a really great-looking movie. It's very fun to watch, very effectively made. Mm. But I I like Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street for different reasons. And the reason I like Wolf of Wall Street is the style. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is the way it is shot. Mm-hmm. It is the way it is just presented to me on screen. I think he has this way of portraying the lavish luxury that they're going through in such a way that is just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man. Well, I was between these three <laughs> um, at, at the very beginning. I was, too. Uh, the three that we're down to now. And Yeah, we got Damien Chazelle for La La Land, Jordan Peele for Get Out, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Um. And they've got a lot of different shit going for them. You know, Damien Chazelle having to direct a musical. Um, those musical numbers basically being all oneers. Mm. Like, what a waste of a lovely night. That's like five minutes straight without a cut. Um, the opening shots of Warner as well on the highway. Yes, yes. That one was, that was insane. Um, Man, yeah, that's a really well-directed movie. I think he got a lot out of Emma Stone. Um, got about as much as he could out of Ryan Gosling. Camera was placed very strategically, at like uh, like even for a musical. Like there was just some shots that were, like at the planetarium, that was just no need for you know it was just supposed to be their first kiss. They could have just kissed, but why not make them float in the air and in space and go? Yeah, through this yeah. Like this is what experience. it feel. This is what it felt like yeah. to them. You know, it's not just. Mm. Yeah, man, that's a really like. That's the thing about all these movies is that all of them are so well shot you know like that's what that's what propels get out and it's especially what propels parasite um the line down the middle of the screen you told me like uh next time you watch it notice how many you know mm -hmm. times you could see that and i yeah i've watched it again since then and oh my god like the class the like the whole movie 
is just shot so beautifully. It's it's like, it it's another narrative device the way it is shot. Once you once you are made aware or are paying attention looking for it, the way they utilize the uh you know, like I said, the ascending up the stairs to go up to like they only ever are going up a hill upwards to get to that to get to that house, only ever going down, down, down to get back to theirs. Uh, there is no uphill on They're the way down there. Literally underneath the coffee table or whatever that architectural thing was, you know, when they're hiding from the family. Right, like, right. They're literally right there, um, having you know, very stuffed under there. Like the shot of of it, like showing them under the table with the family behind them, and then like you have the kid that's outside too. Like just the way that like the angles were shot there were so mm. cool. Um, I don't know, like. Well, that's that's the thing that also that's the thing that Jordan Peele has going for him in Get Out uh, is that it's just uh, visually they make like we said they make everything mm. crystal clear on how even if you're kind of like if you go into this movie oblivious you have no idea what it's about you are very quickly made aware that something is awry something is weird mm. and it's based off the visual choices. You know, I mean, some of it's the soundtrack, obviously, but uh, that those there are a lot of visual cues that just like the lingering shots on people looking a little too long. Um, mm. The just he knows how to make you feel uncomfortable. Mm, yeah, it gets takes a page out of the Kubrick book for that. Mm. You know, that's that's what I that's what I think of a lot when I'm watching Jordan Peele stuff is that he is just really good at making unsettling horror. Mm. You know. Like not not straight up like ah screams oh fuck but like uh, my skin is crawling I don't know what's about to happen but I know that something bad's about to happen Ugh. you know that sort of thing. These are um, three very different movies. I'd say Get Out and Parasite are the the si- most similar ish ones yeah, out of La La Land three, is but... much more airy, much more <laughs> fun. I think I'm between La La Land and Parasite, though. If I would have to get rid of one of these three, it's Get Out barely. Like, it's barely third, but I think it's between La La and Parasite. Um, I think La La... Okay. It might be La La and Get Out. Like, oh, I don't know, man. Well, I guess La La was in both of them for me. Yeah, Whenever I think I, was... I think it's worthy of that. I think it certainly is worthy of that. I think that uh you know the uh something that's always stood out to me about La La Land is the camera movement. You know, we talked about the oneers and it's easy for a oneer to be set the camera down and let everybody run across the screen, you know. Like when I was watching uh me and me and Emily have been watching Daredevil because she's been interested in it, wanting to wanting to mm. go through it. So I was like, "Yeah, let's go ahead." And that iconic hallway scene, you know, oh, very very well oh. shot scene. But as a oneer, it it is just sitting there. It is letting everything happen across the screen. I guess that's um, true. Yeah. When it comes to La La Land, something that always always stands out to me is the mm. camera movement, the way it whips across across the the scenery and like shows you what's happening on the on a full 180 the other side of them um i think to that uh that summer love montage where 
uh, Ryan Gosling's playing the piano. Emma Stone is dancing in the crowd, and it keeps the camera keeps flipping back and forth between them. It was like, and like, and like that that whole fucking thing. That's so goddamn good. It's so well shot. Something where like I don't know. It feels like Emma Stone was maybe behind something, but it just went transparent so that you could still see her. Or was that? Or am I thinking of like Kill Bill? I don't know. I feel like there was this, like, there were just many things in this movie that were, like, uh, we could do it the good old boring way and give you the story that we want to give you, or we could just go above and beyond and give mm. you this crazy, amazing, fun, and sometimes very, very sad. Like, it, that's the thing. It's not always fun as a musical, like, that there's all different types of emotion that you feel during this movie. Mm. Um, and I think the direction, like, is what, that's what makes this movie. That's what anchors this movie, to be sure. I mean, the writing is fantastic. The story is really, uh, really heartwarming and uh, heartbreaking uh, at the same time. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ups and downs there, but I mean, those last shots where they look at each other across the club, the way, the way the movie's lit, like, Mm. the lighting in this movie is gorgeous. That's, that shot where she's... She hears him playing the piano for the first time and stops in the middle of the red neon. Mm. Like, oh. ooh, yeah, that's a gorgeous shot, you know. And like, it's it's just the the shot right above all the girls singing uh, somewhere someone in the crowd when they all do the spin, and you see them mm. at each each side of the screen doing a spin with their with their skirt uh, flying out. Like, it's very purposefully shot, and you know, like I don't want to say that get out and parasite aren't parasite might be the most meticulously shot movie oh, i've ever watched shit, in my life dude it's it's okay it's between la la and parasite it is get out was get out was solid it has it has elements of both you know like when i like the thing that stands out about uh get out for me is the lighting i think that there's like there's so many there's so many points in that where i'm just like god this shot is beautifully lit you know like it's not it's got a great contrast to it Whenever uh, Daniel Kaluuya is outside and he's like only glow glowing by the blue, by the blue light that they've got going mm. on out there from the moon, like that shit is gorgeous. Um, is that whenever he gets the? Yeah, whenever the guy's running at him. <laughs> um, whenever Grandpa. Yeah. Whenever Grandpa's he's going out for a smoke break, got interrupted yeah. by the creepiest spring I mean, of like, all the, time. The fucking sunken place. That's not. Mm. That's nothing to fuck with, man. That's, that's some. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And again, I will point to that that room where he's chained to the chair watching that TV, and it's like, oh yeah, this is a this is intense. Are your two La La Land and Parasite, or do you have? I think so. Um, I think so because I'm I'm in a similar situation as I was. With like uh, our our writing nominees, where it kind of came down to Interstellar, Parasite, and I kept comparing Parasite and Blind Spotting, but I was like, Parasite's the the obvious winner over Blind Spotting for me, so I have to I have to go with it again. I'm I'm having the same feelings about Parasite and Get Out, where those are the ones I'm comparing, but I like Parasite more than Get Out, and I'm fairly certain La La Land is a two. You know, like it's definitely one or the other there 
But yeah, I think I think my heart I think my heart lies with Parasite if I'm uh I mean if I'm being one hundred percent real. There's no flashy actor, there's no flashy actress, there's no crazy you know, like it's just a well. I mean it combines those it combine like we said again, the genre blending lends it to have this creative freedom in a visual sense that's just like the the like heist comedy nature of the first half of the movie would not lead me to believe I would get one of the most unsettling shots I've ever seen in my life later on in the movie whenever the dude who lives downstairs sees the young son for the first time and comes above the stairs. Bro, that fuck would no. scar me for life if I saw that. Like I, I, I had a tough time that sleeping kid. that night yeah. the first time I watched it. I was like, mm mm, mm no 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 because you don't see it coming. You don't like it's not something like the way that visually it can just irk you it, it leads you to a place where you're like this shit's about to be bad mm. and it's not through anything but visuals that they can show you that like that's uh that's something bong joon ho just did exquisitely well and uh Let's see what company it, he's joining because he got yes, directing it. and writing here um yes he did you want to take us through those best writer winners oh yeah yeah, we got George Lucas, obviously, for, for Star Wars in the 70s. Uh, and American Graffiti. Yeah. Oh, look at that. There you go. We got uh, Tom Shulman uh, yeah. for Dead Poets. We got John Singleton for Boys in the Hood. That was a damn good written movie. Uh, Simon Beaufoy? Beaufoy for Slumdog Millionaire. And then now here comes Bong Joon-ho and Han Jin-woon one for Parasite. Yeah, that, yeah. that's... That's this is sick. Like the the dual win, it just makes sense though. Like for no, nah, yeah, like this. Is, I I don't I don't know that we've had a, I don't think we've had that yet across Ooh. any of the decades where the the director and the writing win were the same movie. No, that we have that not. hasn't happened yet, and uh, it it happened here because in the seventies we had Francis Ford Coppola win best director, and he directed The Godfather, Godfather Part 2, and Apocalypse Now. So he directed 3 out of the 10 <laughs> movies we covered that decade. Well, it was pretty clear. Kind pretty of unfair. There, yeah. <laughs> um in the 80s and we'll have to pick one, I think, to nominate it for the the Masterclass Awards um whenever it comes to it. Uh, but yeah, it feels like Godfather's almost certainly the choice <laughs> there. Mm. Um and then for the 1980s we gave the award to Stanley Kubrick for The Shining. Uh, in the odds, we gave it to Quentin Tarantino for Kill Bill Volume One and Two, and then in the 2010s, we got Bong Joon Ho for Parasite. If it's the best directed and written movie of the decade, does that just that's, mean that's the movie of the decade? <laughs> okay, I, I was I was there. I was in between Parasite and Interstellar, but I think it's just my favoritism of Interstellar that makes. It, yeah, you know, like that's the thing is that like. If I'm going to sit down and casually view a movie, I probably do just want to turn on Interstellar. That does not mean it is the best movie of the decade, though. You know, like Parasite, there's something yeah. about it that's just like, every time I watch it, I always just end up going, holy fucking shit. I don't know that I've ever watched a better movie than this. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But, yeah, I don't know. Critically... Like this, this is this is more of a a critical award here, and yeah. if I if I'm taking out my favoritism, Parasite is just a better better made movie, not not necessarily by like a long shot. No, but, but it, it 
It does. It's just that good. Like yeah. that's the thing. It's it's just that good of a movie. Mm. Um, but with that, that concludes the 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 real deal awards. Mm. You know, we've got uh, that was a fun fun slate there with La La Land winning set design, Django Unchained winning uh, costume design, Hans Zimmer's Interstellar soundtrack winning, mm. Sodom Park as Ki Jung winning for supporting actress for Parasite. Supporting actor going to Jonah Hill as Donnie Azoff in The Wolf of Wall Street. Emma Stone as Mia in La La Land winning Best Actress. David Diggs as Colin in Blind Spotting winning Best Actor. Bong Joon-ho winning for both Best Director and Writer along with Han Jin-won for the, uh, for the Best Writer. And Parasite coming out as the movie of the decade. Now I understand that you might think, oh, that means the show's over. Fucking no. You haven't been here before. We got all the fun shit left. <laughs> Bum, bum. We get to fill in some we, fucking yeah, we, we have only four nominations for this one um, total yeah, so far. Yeah, so the one, <laughs> the way that we do this this one is we kind of fill out the nominations as we go, and then we go back at the end and pick a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, and this will we'll, – we'll, we'll kind of breeze through this. I understand that it's been a long one already. Um, but, yeah, so we got best at being the worst, best at being the best. Uh, and those are kind of self-explanatory. Uh, the biggest fuck boys alive for the best of being the worst, and the 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 greatest of all time, the goats for best of being the best. And then we've got worst of being the best, where it's like, yeah, I mean, like you were definitely the good guy, <laughs> but goddamn, was it hard to watch sometimes. Um, we've also got class clown, funny guys, most likely to succeed, most likely to end up in jail or dead. We got our dream blunt rotation, our nightmare blunt rotation. Who's the biggest simp? <laughs> Who's got the best hair? And who mm. was the best pair? Ooh, this one's going to be... We got a lot of good pairs here, I think. Or at least, yes. maybe not a lot, but good, hard-hitting pairs. That are gonna yes, be really we do. Good. We do. Um, um, but best at being the worst, let's start there. Are we, we've got a built-in nominee here <laughs> with Doge Landon from... Uh, I'm assuming that's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, it's the actor yeah, Draco Malfoy. I just hate that actor already for Draco, and then he plays this role, and it was just like, all right, you're already going in here. I hate you. There's probably a worse person out there in the movies that we've watched, I'd say, um, but he was just instantly I mean, up there. For... Yeah, I mean, Calvin Candy, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Django Unchained feels like in... Uh, it, it feel It feel wrong for him to not win this category. Mm. Uh, if I had to, if I had to say so myself, let's see. I'm trying to even um, think of the other movies. If like, what's the? Is there a worse person? I mean, I would say that uh, the upper class. Yeah, I would say like Jordan <laughs> Belfort. Um, that man's trash. But it, he feels like he could go in a best at being the worst or a worst at being the best. Like you, he's a dude who you're like. On on the surface, like you read his accomplishments, and you're like, man, that dude must fuck. That must be awesome. Mm. But he is the worst. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's kind of that that element to him. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe the upper class actually um, gets nominated in like the the worst at being the best. Well, no, they're not really being good. I don't know. Maybe we just don't throw them in there. I was gonna throw in like a little parasite nom. The... I will say, if you want to throw in a worst at being the best, um, I think Sir Michael Caine's Professor Brand in Interstellar. Ooh. 
how he fucked everybody over but like had good intentions initially i feel like that's i feel like that's a good nom for best for worst to be in the best like uh he had a good idea but that's he good just one. he lied for way too long mm. and you're like god damn man god mm. damn man uh oh best to be in the worst fucking matt damon in interstellar <laughs> oh what uh, was his character name dr man i yeah, think yeah that's right oh that dude sucked god yeah i was i was hoping for him so hard like you want him to be good you want him to be good and he's just fucking not i guess we got some of the inner well i don't know who's let's flip the script a little bit who's who's our good guys and good girls who are the best who are the the best of us uh i'm going caesar uh the gorilla love love me some uh love me some caesar uh, Django, that dude is is amongst the best at being the best, I would say. Uh, Django's a bad motherfucker. Um, no one really oh, in Wolf of uh, Wall Street. <laughs> I'm going to say best at being the worst. I'm going back here because we had a lot of these this decade. Rose Armitage and Get Out. She, she did was suck. the one. She did. Yeah, really she uh, let him on. How many guys yeah. has she killed beforehand? You know, oh my led into that no, same yeah, she was a situation. Fucking, she was straight up fucking psychotic, nope. man. I guess the I, the Armitage family. But yeah, just Rose, the Armitage family at at at. Yeah, they are generally the best at being the worst. <laughs> um, they are tragically bad. Um, best at the best, Rod Williams also in Get Out. Um, TSA motherfucker. Saved the day. Completely saved the day, man. It at first seemed that it was all over for Daniel Kaluuya there, but then the hero, yeah. the true unsung hero of the film, gets out of the car. What a king. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I'd say that's probably... Do we have any more bad people? Bad people. I feel like we kind of covered it there. I mean, we got some racists in there, uh, an animal abuser, uh, a couple, uh, a person who abuses their wealth, someone who betrays and tries to leave people for dead, slave owner. Um, yeah, that old, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we got some, some, some. I think we got people. some good old shit bags there. <laughs> um, some, some good old fashioned terrible people. Um, now, what's funny is I like we went heavy on that. I don't really know that we have a lot of the other categories. Um, I know how many. I guess, doc, you know, I guess uh, Dr. Von, or what, what's his name, Dr. Von Shaft? Oh, that's uh, that's Broomhilda, but Dr. King oh, Schultz. King Schultz, okay. Yeah, I Dr. would go King. worst at being the best yeah, for Dr. He's King just Schultz. Kinda... Because he is still abusing that law to be able to own a slave that's by taking true. Django under his wing. That is but true. I did, I did forget that little detail. Is that, like, even though he is very friendly to Django and like kind of it's on his side he's like yeah it's still a little okay that's fair yeah I don't this is we just had a lot of shitty people not really <laughs> a lot of shitty people this decade uh to to be sure I'm like I'm Murph. trying to think if there's any Murph just Murph oh yeah that she was the best to be in the best she saved you know? the human race well with her dad but really her hmm True enough. She solved the... Uh, worst at being the best, Mark Baum. Aw. Oh. 
Is it with a C? Is it Mark? I think it uh, was I think Mark. So. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking those are probably good for our noms there, though. Can't really, uh, can't really expand on it, I don't think. Mm. I don't have many others. Okay. We take a, I just have to pee real bad. Just have to <laughs> take a bet, quick yeah, bathroom I'll, uh, break. Well, yeah, go for it. Go for it. I'm going uh, I'm I'm to go ahead and narrate this bad boy. Mm. Okay, I'll be right. Just give me a sec. <laughs> there was a time. Now nah, he's gone. Um, so, yeah, just you and me. It was only me and you. A little high school musical there for you, that ass. Um, me and the me and the old lady are watching high school musical, the musical the series right now. So uh, how you liking that, Emily? She likes it. Oh, I love I love watching that with you, of course. Love watching that with you. But yeah, high school musical, the musical the series. Low key fucks, you know? So I can't believe I didn't uh, engage with it sooner because I grew up on the high school musical movies, you know. That was my shit when I was younger. And the fact that they've got Olivia Rodrigo in the show now. Like, I love me some Olivia Rodrigo. She's fucking awesome. So what's not to like? I mean, in conclusion, High School Musical, the musical, the series, is, like, basically the best show on television right now. So, uh... What did I just come back to? (laughs) Yeah, so I had to come up with something to talk about. Um, and that's where I, uh, that's, that's where it led me. Um, so, uh, let's continue. (laughs) (laughs) Class Clown. Ooh, okay. Here we go. Class uh, clown. We got some goodies. Donny Azoff. I, I was already there. I was already in the Wolf yeah. of Wall Street mind here. Yeah, Donny um, Azoff of the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, it feels feels like a shoe in there. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. I was just making sure on the spelling. Um, I'd say. And I don't even think there's a two. I think it might <laughs> just be Donny Azoff in the Wolf of Wall Street. That's our class clown. Um. Yeah, I can't really think of anyone else. We didn't have like we didn't have much comedy presence here in this decade. Uh, mm-hmm. We all these movies kind of took themselves very seriously, including The Wolf of Wall Street. But uh, I it think was he still just, yeah, hilarious just, at points. I think he just wins. <laughs> I think that that's that's the nomination and the and the winner in one there. Yeah, I don't think really we I don't think we even have another nominate, option yeah. there for Donny Azoff. <laughs> there you go. Man, Jonah Hill's just taking taking this award show with him. Just 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 taking <laughs> dubs there as Donny Azoff. But uh most likely to succeed. We got a few here, I think. Oh, okay. Uh I mean, in my heart of hearts, I, I sure hope uh that Kevin would succeed. Uh from Parasite. Mm. Um, I don't think he will, sadly. I think that's the point of the movie to show no. that he is in fact not the most likely to no. succeed. No. Um Head cannon, he buys that house. He's he no, and his dad walks upstairs and everything's good. That's how that movie that that's how it goes in that universe. That's how that ha- that's how that ends up. But, that's how that ends but, up. But but probably probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Um Dang it. Me but yeah, Murph. Murph was a good one. Uh mm. definitely most likely to succeed. Literally set up by the future. <laughs> Uh, to succeed. That's pretty uh, nuts there. Yeah. She, she was like, she was made to succeed. If she did not, then humans would not succeed. So Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to hit you with this one right quick. Mia and Sebastian. 
Maybe not with each other, uh, but for themselves. No. <laughs> no. No, I refuse. It's right, but I don't want it to be right. I don't want it to be. Uh, let me throw you another one. Michael Burry and the Big Short. Catching on to the plan from the very, very jump early on. Uh, and going ahead and hedging all that money against it. That was pretty clutch. I mean, that's that's insane. Like, these dudes actually did that. Mm-hmm. Like in real that's a life, real story. In real life, they were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that the entire country is gonna go to shit, and I'm gonna make millions off of it." Damn, that's a okay. I like. Yeah. Uh. Okay. I think those are our most likely to succeed nods. If I'm, if I'm, uh, if I had to say so myself. Yeah. Is there anyone that's likely to succeed in Wolf of Wall Street? Um, actually, on the inverse, I think a lot of them are likely to end up in jail. <laughs> or dead. Is, or dead. Is I mean, uh, a few of them do end up dead. A lot of them end up in jail. I but don't Jordan know Belfort, how Jordan Belfort isn't dead yet. Honestly, um, with all the drugs that he's taking. All the drugs in the system, that, that um, was a fucking nutty, that was a nutty man. But, uh, yeah, Jordan Belfort, for sure, most likely to end up in jail or dead. Um, let's see, uh, okay, um, everyone I mean, there are some dead. obvious ones, and we like, we always like to put down the the guys who actually died, uh, hmm. you, everyone that isn't Django is a good one. <laughs> they are likely to die at his hand, yeah. um. Um, let's see, let's see, in jail. I, I was thinking, like, the Armitage family, since they do end up dead, um, and they should be going to jail. Uh, uh it's better if they're dead. Oh, better, better for them to be dead, to be sure. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's... Sadly, Kaitech. Oh. Is that, a Parasite dad. God, how did, oh, how did... Just for the spelling. That's so yeah, like T A E K. I mean he He can't leave or else that will happen. You know He will like, like he will he will if he leaves he goes to jail. If he stays there he will die. No. God dang it, man. See, and that's the thing about Parasite. There's nothing happy about the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. But goddamn is it good. Fuck. Okay. Interstellar. Hmm. No, not really. Any there? I'd say get out the Armitage family. Yeah, that's the only people really. Um, I think that's pretty good there. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, humankind. Um. Yeah, I mean Dodge. Humanity. Landon. Um. Ooh. Um. Dodge Landon ought to get murdered by a gorilla at some point. <laughs> I think, and I think he does at some point in the movie. Oh no, he definitely by. does. Yeah, he definitely because does. Because that other guy runs in the room trying to be like, "Oh, I'm gonna." Yeah, doesn't doesn't he electrocute dies. him? Doesn't yeah. Caesar like electrocute him? To death? And then he walks yeah. away and lets everyone else kill him. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, hard as fuck. Hard as fuck. Um. But yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a good slate of noms there mm-hmm. for the most likely to end up in jail or dead. 
let's pick out some dream blunt rotation characters because this, this is the is where this is that good. fun shit right there. This is um, where it gets good. Okay. Um, what's Colin's friend? Colin and Miles. Miles. Is it two L's or one L for Colin? I think it's two. Two L's looks right. It is two. I guess we'll we'll, se- we'll separate them. We got a lot of because we have to. That's right. We see, we even separated Shaggy and Scooby, one of the most inseparable duos of all yes, time. Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, like the rule the rule is separation. Yeah, that's um. uh, that's this is just the way <laughs> of things. Uh, I will I will need to smoke up with uh, Sodan Park's character Kijun. I need I need I need her to be around. Uh, she's she's a badass. Uh, I think she would be a blast to be around. Hi. Um, Pretty much nobody in Get Out besides maybe Rod Williams. I like Rod. I think I could be with Rod. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll throw him in there. I feel like uh, I feel like after this experience, Chris might never be the same. Might need some. Uh, what about Donny Azoff? Is that is that more nightmare or is that more? Yeah, see, there's a, there's a balance here because I think Donny Azoff would be fun as fuck to smoke weed with. But the thing about Donny Azoff. Is that you know after they smoke the weed, he's going to be like, all right, now now here's some fucking quaaludes. That's and, true. Uh, and here's the crack. Some, somebody smoke some crack with me. Somebody smoke some crack with me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Donnie Azoff, no other drugs, is a good uh, a good distinction. Donnie Azoff, in general, is, uh, is, a good, is a good nightmare nightmare fuel. Uh... <laughs> I do think we have a few nightmare fuels for sure. Um, as much as I love Caesar, he's an ape. You never know what might happen around around an ape. That's fair. Uh, and I want to get even more specific with the Armitage family there. And I want to go uh, Jeremy Armitage, the son of that family. Um, he was an absolute nightmare human. Uh, they all were, obviously, but he seems the most likely to go, yeah, I'll smoke some weed with you, and then try to kill you. Yeah, I'm throwing him up in, uh, I guess he's already in Rose, Rose and Family, I guess he's already up there, but God, I forgot how much that guy sucked. Yeah, that dude sucked. Yeah, Uh, he was, uh, he was painful, he was painful to watch. Um, you know, I'm gonna need Sebastian and Mia, maybe, in that Dream Blunt rotation, you know, perform us a couple songs, guys. Get up, get up, sing, dance. Fair. Let's do this thing. Straight up. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's see. Uh, Big Short. Anyone in there? <laughs> I'd have no interest. Like, that's the thing. Is none, I don't think any of them are dream blunt rotation, but I do think Michael Burry might be nightmare blunt rotation. <laughs> Is it? Oh, is it B U R R Y? I don't know. Yeah, B U R R Y. I think you dude, had that right. He would be tweaking. I don't know. I think he he would. Yeah, he would. He, he, I'd be worried for him. Um, I do think we got to get a Matthew McConaughey character in here for the Dream Blunt rotation. But here's the thing: I don't think it's Cooper. I think it's Mark Hanna. Um. Um. Um, How do you, dude, I did. I completely um, forgot. Um, I just 
how did I forget about that bat? Like, Mark Hanna, man. I definitely want to smoke up with him more than than. Uh, than Pretty Cooper. much anyone we have on this list. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I need Mark Hanna in my just life. Just for that, man. I don't know. Just, just to. Yeah, I want to sit around a campfire with him smoking a blizzy and just being like, oh. That shit's hard. Anyone in in uh No we got we got that, we got that. I think we've actually hit every movie. Inception. Everyone that's worth hitting. Uh that's the thing. We've been avoiding Inception like a fucking hot <laughs> fire because there is no standout character in that movie. I guess let me throw uh who does Margot Robbie play? Naomi. She I mean I, yeah, any chance I can get to smoke with, be around Margot Robbie, it, it feels like a chance you can't pass up on. Is there anyone else that's nightmare? I feel like we're missing some. Well, oh, we've got we got plenty of nightmare fuel in here. Uh, if I if I do say so myself, um, uh, again, Calvin Candy. Uh, that's a that's a nightmare. That's a nightmare worthy person to be around. Does he spell candy with a K? Or was it a... he, he does spell he dispels both of them with the C. Never mind. But candy is spelled C A N D I E. Huh. There we go. Um, I think I had them somewhere up here. There we go. Now it's now I can sleep at night. <laughs> um. Okay. Now yeah. He he rest. would suck. Um. We got Jeremy Armitage here. I mean, there's a lot of other people in Get Out. Uh, yeah, but again, uh, that's the thing is that I want to avoid putting the that's Armitage true. family that's, for everything, yeah. but I wouldn't want to be around any of them. You know, like maybe another or one that coagula. I would. the coagula. Yeah, the coagula. Like, oh just yeah, the, the whole of the coagula. I don't know the whole goddamn place. That's the that's the oh. nightmare place. Is it limbo or the coagula? I would rather be in limbo than around those people. <laughs> Dang. That okay. There we go. That that, that would suck. I, like I would rather exist infinitely in a dream that I cannot escape from than being around that many people like that. And I mean that. I'm not even like. I think they'll win the location and the people and, like, and being there. And like, being I don't there. want any of yeah. them to be there. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> I guess we have Caesar in there, but who is the big boy that Caesar like recruited oh. in the in the cage? The the oh yeah, that man that that man. I don't want to fuck with that guy. Oh, Caesar's um, scary. Caesar could be cool though. That's the thing. Caesar could yeah. Caesar be could cool go either way here. You know? He could just uh, yeah kill you straight up. But hmm. I don't think is anyone nightmare from La La Land. Like. Um, I think that, uh, maybe J.K. Simmons' character. Oh, the boss at the restaurant? Yeah. <laughs> He's just a little intense. Oh, you know what? Nah, Keith. John Legend's character. Fuck no. I don't want to smoke with him. I don't know. I don't have any interest. I feel like he's just going to talk my ear off about some shit I don't give a shit about. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm going to be like, dude, please. Mm. Please shut the fuck up for a moment. Like, I feel like we'd get we'd get smoking and he'd say some shit and I'd just be like, dude. Now? Mm. Okay. 
I like. I think, okay. I think we got some. I think we got a good selection here. Yeah, maybe we, we got can. a good selection here. Maybe, um, maybe some will hit in the future. Or we'll say someone. Yeah, maybe we, maybe we'll we like, come ah, back around and we're like, ah, yes, them. The biggest simp now. Oh, wait. I got one more for Nightmare Blunt Rotation. Let's hear it. Um, it is Officer Molina. Oh. From Blind Spotting. That's a good one. Yeah, I uh, definitely don't want to be around that guy. That's and he's probably another candidate for best of being the worst. Mm. Um, I didn't mean to. You sure about that? <laughs> That's all it took. That one little, you sure about that? And he was like, oh, damn, you're right. <laughs> yeah, like, goddamn. Uh, but let's get into the biggest simp. Uh, Colin's got to be up there. For Val... <laughs> I think it's yeah, it's good to put who they're simping for, maybe. Way. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's that's go. true. Colin for Val is a okay. massive, massive simpery. Um, uh, Cooper Cooper for flight. He, yeah, that man loved flight. Any any way. Uh, I don't know the the way he feels the drone. You know, like whenever it, like, yeah, when he's like yeah. rubbing his hand or whatever. Uh, but okay, that was just kind of. Oh, uh, Kevin for Dehai and Parasite, the guy who was, the, the chick oh. who he was tutoring. What was her name, the daughter's name? Uh, Dehai, D-A-H-Y-E. Mm. That's true. And his friend, and it, like, his friend was already gonna ask her out whenever she went to university or whatever, but then he instantly was like, no, I don't care. I'm going for it. He right, went all right. in. Any... Hmm. Um, brand for Doyle. Oh, that's pretty big. Across the galaxy, man. Across the galaxy. That's fair. That's pretty big there. Uh, that is pretty big. Um, Jordan Belfort for Naomi. Jordan Belfort for Quaaludes. Jordan um, Belfort for Quaaludes. Jordan Belfort for drugs. <laughs> but I think. Naomi is fitting, and we'll we'll just say Naomi slash drugs is fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Django. Ooh. For Brumhelda. But uh, like, was that uh, really simp? Or that was just like I got to get back. I think he was simping. Like, I think he was just kind of. I think he was. I think he wasn't simping. I think he was pimping. You know what I'm saying? I think he was trying to get back. Damn, that's the be- you couldn't have put it any better than that. <laughs> like, that's exactly how it went down. Damn. Simping or pimping? Okay. Uh, Oh, and then Cobb for for Mal. And Inception, dude was trying to incept his own mind, maybe to get back with her, make things okay. Yeah. What what was yeah. her name for for uh, Mal? Mal Val and Mal. Um, oh yeah, yeah, interesting. Colin for Val, Cobb for Mal. I like okay. Oh, uh, more you, that's more simps. The simps have been increasing. Oh wait. The 70s were pretty big on, on, on simps. Two of them came from Star Wars. Um, but the And as we've refined seven, the category mm-hmm. and our award shows at large. That's fair. True. Jake but it, Sully. But it seems, I don't know, the, the data is conclusive to me that, that the simp numbers are growing. The and simp numbers we, are up for if, the 2010s. If, uh, if the trend is to be continued... We'd have to eliminate someone 
in the biggest simp category for the 2020s if we had a full decade of movies, which would be interesting that there would be competition for the biggest simp in a decade. But hey. I, I forgot we're definitely going to do the master awards for all these too and take the winners and pick our ultimate <laughs> no. dream blunt rotations and shit. Oh, um, shoot. Oh, dude, the location is. Oh, picking the ultimate location. Okay, that's going to be sick. Um, but let's go on to best hair and worst hair. Okay. We've already got a nom there for best hair with Colin's <laughs> hair straightened. Um, I think and might, might be a simultaneous the, nod there. Giving him his normal hair too. Um, oh yeah. He's got some, he's got some pretty pimp, some pretty pimp ass braids. Uh, love the braids there. Uh, let's see. Let's um, see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Caesar. No, I don't know. Uh, Caesar's to got some beautiful hair. Any, of the apes have like a hair. I don't know. They were all just regular. Hey man, this is prop. This is like a little, a little classist because he was un- he was underground for four straight years. But uh, that dude's hair was bad. <laughs> what was his name? Gunse Junse G E U N S E. Yeah, that dude just didn't really have the any way to clean it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like that's that's why I was like, man, this that that becomes like a, a class issue. It's not like the the hygiene comes into play. He literally didn't have the means to wash his hair, therefore his hair fell out. And like that's that's sad. That sh- that ju- that just sucks. Um, let's see. Um, hmm. Yeah, man. Oh, I feel like the big shorts got some bad hair. <laughs> Um, That's what I was saying. I was just like, uh, Mark Baum had some. Well, he had some aggressively, see. aggressively mediocre hair. Um, let's see. Like I feel like he was. Just, it was like very obviously a wig. Like it was just very obviously not Steve Carell's hair. Mm. And therein, it was not good. <laughs> yeah. It just, or maybe that's what it was supposed to. He's just a Wall Street guy, so they just wanted to make it look like he just had a toupee on. You know, maybe that's what they were True. going for. Uh, oh, you know who's got a great head of hair? Donnie Azoff. Ooh. Mm. Those big-ass curls. So good. I think, uh, actually, could have some some good hair. Look at, you know, I mean, for, for Ryan Gosling, we really don't like him that much, but hey, he's got some nice hair. He's got some nice hair. He's um, got some undeniably nice hair. Um, we could, we could, oh, Give me Kristen Milioti's, uh Teresa for best hair. She's got that big hair, that big 80s-ass hair. This shit right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, shoot. That one is, okay. That's that's some great hair. Shoot, that's some great that's hair. That's going to be tough to beat there. La La Land. I love Kristen Milioti, big hair. Emma Stone, she just so oh, I don't know. I, I she have just had some. She got some pretty. Uh, I, I I like her eyebrows in that movie, like her facial hair in that movie, pretty solid because well, it's just her eyebrows. Give her the nod. Uh, yeah, go, throw throw it. Uh, throw Mia's eyebrows on there for best hair. <laughs> Beautiful. She got them done up right for that movie for that role. Um, but yeah, and then let's th- let's throw some noms at the best pair category here. here. Uh, this is where it gets fun. I think I think we got to have uh, Jordan Belfort and Donnie Azoff. I think that's an easy. I think that's an easy duo. Uh, I think we got to have Mia and Sebastian, of course. 
uh, trying to think. Uh, Colin and Miles, of course. Um, maybe Django and Dr. King Schultz. I like. Schultz? What about... In, in Interstellar, would you say it's more of a Cooper Murph duo or like a... Uh... I, I would say so because they work together across time, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Time and Murph. Shit. Oh, Shit. No. I mean, it's, maybe it's just Murph in the universe. Um, Facts. No printer. Let's see. Big Short. The two dudes who just happened to... <laughs> happen oh, to yeah. They're a great fun. pair. Nah, but, who the uh, fuck are those guys? <laughs> Um, trying to think, is there any pair in blind spotting that's sticking out? I don't think there's like, I don't think there's any like two that go together. It's more like the, the whole family kind of works as a, as mm. a unit, you know, I don't think any two of them particularly stand out. Um, I think this is kind of what we're rocking with. Uh, maybe Caesar and one of his homie, homie apes. <laughs> Caesar and homie ape, okay. <laughs> Caesar uh, and ape homie. Let's see. Let, let's get let's get a an ape homie. Let's see who is. Um, let's see who his homie was. We got we got a buck. Oh wait, shoot! It's not going to show the ape's face. How are we going to know who played him? <laughs> How are we going to know which ape? We'll we'll say the big the big fella. Yeah, big fella, homie ape. There we go. Feels right. I feel like, I don't know. Are we missing one? No? I don't think we are. I was looking no. pretty hard. I think this is kind of yeah. what we're rocking with uh, for the decade. And I think we just go ahead, go back through, and assign some winners. What do you say? Let's do it, man. Here we go. Let's do it. So let's start up at the best at being the worst. Who is just the scummiest of scummy? Uh, and obviously, I, it just feels wrong for it to not be Calvin Candy. I want to put some mm. respect <laughs> on uh, Jordan, uh, on uh, Leonardo DiCaprio for having two people in the best of being the worst uh, category. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> That's a feat that I don't think anyone has had so far, Good playing two job. separate characters. Uh, now, I will say, Calvin Candy is right up there with the Armitage family. Mm. Uh, he's right up there with Officer Molina. And Officer Molina... Yes, he belongs up there with them. Uh, uh, I have no doubts of this. But uh, yeah, I think I think uh, I think Calvin Candy takes the cake here, though. You know, it's it's already was... bad being a slave owner, but then like making them fight to the death because it's like your hobby. I don't know, man. There's just a lot of layers there. That's just like it. Just there is nothing redeeming there, and there's nothing redeeming about a lot of these characters. Um, the Armitage family has nothing redeeming about them. Like it, it is certainly between Calvin Candy and the Armitage family and Rose Armitage. Uh, that's uh, 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 Calvin Candy might as well be their their grand their great 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 grandpa. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, he's he was the one who he thought of the coagula, but didn't have the technology yeah, the order, to, the be, order. to get there. Yeah, <laughs> he 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 conceived of the order of the coagula. Uh, <laughs> Nice. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, yeah, Calvin Candy, I think that's an easy best of being the worst. Uh, Dodge Landon sucks ass, though. Yeah, he uh, does suck. 
And what's crazy is Dr. Man is an easy last place here. Uh, easy last place for I best to be in the worst. He, he is did, the best of the best to be in the worst. He did, like, make the initial flight out there, which took balls, you know? But then he was just a coward in the end. So, like... lost, his, Yeah, lost his mind a little bit, and you yeah. know? Like, one, one, one must, I would assume. Uh, I mean, humans have a drive to survive, and that's just how he was going to survive. You know, all the other people were... They in their last moments... You see their children's faces. Mm. Oh, fuck that. Oh, dude. Listen to the sound of my voice. Going from one space character that was awesome in The Martian to just the worst space character um, is, is uh, you know, if, if Leonardo played two um, shitty characters, like, so did, uh, oh my god, Matt Damon. Matt Damon? Yeah, Matt Damon. Well, no, because never mind. The Martian was great. He was a great guy. Martian was a great character, just, and I believe that came in 2015, yeah. mm. whereas Interstellar came in 2014. So we had we had a couple uh, nice space movies back to back years there. Mm. But uh, well, yeah, Cal- yeah, no yeah. doubt, no doubt. Uh, best of being the best. We got Caesar, Django, Rod Williams, and Murph. <laughs> um, who's our uh, Who's our winner here? Hmm. I feel like Murph already wins the uh, most likely to succeed here. Yeah, so I was like, like I was wanting to go away from Murph there. Yeah, it's kind of like unfair uh, for most likely to succeed. Um, It's like literally predestined, but not predestined. Somehow, yeah, we don't know how it works necessarily, but it did. So kind of unfair there, but I don't, I mean... I had the most fun watching Django do his thing. Like, here's the thing. Yeah, it's fun watching him kill racist fucks because he's Django. Yeah, Caesar was like, you know, he killed some some shitty humans. Um, But, like, some of them just so happened, I don't know, like, it was just humans that died in the the way. Not necessarily everyone was shitty, but Django only killed shitty people. True. Like, and and, uh, he just was way more badass while doing it, I feel. Um, far and away the biggest badass of the decade, mm, Django. Yeah. Um, Clo- followed closely by Rod Williams, the TS. I mean, God. Yeah. TS motherfucking A. Mm. <laughs> yeah, one of the goats. Um, we get shit done. <laughs> now we got. We only got three. With the worst at being the best. Um, so yeah, these are just guys who are like, oh yeah, you were pretty solid, but man, you were fucking up somehow. You know, and and Mark realized though, he realized that he was fucking up, and still was like, but well, that's, that's what's interesting about all three of these I guess characters. Brandon I think they as all well. recognize. They, yeah, they all. I think did. they all recognize the flaw in their ways, but went ahead and did it anyway. I'd say the one who fucked up the hardest though is Professor Brand. Uh, this man. Really fucked a lot of people. He was willing to just say abandon hope. Yeah, he's like, it's not gonna happen. Let's just do it the easy way. Basically, it's like he just gave up instantly. But there, there had to be a way. They found a way. You know, there's always luckily, a way. Luckily, uh, just would have been better if you know what found the way. Loved horse. Love. Love. God, it just makes so much sense. Best so pair, love and Tars. 
I for, oh yeah, duh. I was I thought we forgot one of them, and that's the most important one. Um, like, Love and Tars is kind of the yin and yang of of our universe. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. That's yeah, ah, oh. okay. Love cool. Tars, but yeah, but uh, I guess that brand. Yeah, no, I, I agree there. He uh. Doomed humanity. He is the worst. He made the decision to doom humanity, which is kind of like, well, I guess every human who was alive, but yeah. Fucking up. Fucking up. Guess we got Donnie Azoff already winning class clown by default here. By default. No other funny person in the decade. <laughs> Donnie Azoff, the only funny person of the decade. Ooh, Jordan Belfort's dad. Um, oh, Rob Rogers' character. on sides or whatever. $28,000. Um, yeah, Dad. Who the fuck is calling at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night? The equalizer's on. Cheerio, uh, mate. Yes. Yes, I can do that for you. He'd affect this weird British accent. Um, and he missed the part of the equalizer in that little split second, apparently. He's, he he yeah. went back to TV. He's like, oh, I missed it. I, oh, God damn it. <laughs> But, uh, no, nah, I think Donnie Azoff, he still takes the cake, though. Um, yeah, because even Donnie Azoff is willing to give him shit. You yeah. know, that is one of the funniest moments of the movie was whenever he's, like, he's, like, teasing him. <laughs> he's like, well, you think I don't, you think I don't know what TNA is? You think I don't know what TNA is? It's like, TMA, or whatever the correction was. like, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, it's totally what I said. Or whatever, like, uh, yeah. whatever the acronym actually was, or I forgot, like, um... Like he was like twenty eight thousand dollars. He's like, was it was it really necessary? And he's like, yeah, no, it was it was uh, actually totally necessary. Um, they were. Totally... What did the what did the sides did what did the oh, sides they actually cure cancer? cancer? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. They actually that's cured the thing. Cancer. They, they did cure cancer. They did. They did that. Uh, uh, man, yeah, that's a ridiculous fucking movie, man. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, the movie I'm coming away from this award show wanting to rewatch the most for some reason is The Wolf of Wall Street. Look at that that. shit's yeah. so funny. Oh yeah, um, but uh, let's go to most likely to succeed. We already kind of dubbed a winner here because it it kind of keeps with the uh, the classic mm. predestined sort of thing as we've done with Sarah ne- Connor, mm. Neo. Kyle uh, Kyle Reese, and John Connor Neo. Like these are all these predestined winners along with Murph, mm. uh, who sets forth or sets in motion a series of events that will lead to her succeeding. Um, mm-hmm. She is the most likely to succeed. As much as I want Kevin to succeed, he's definitely not the most likely. Dang. Um, sad. It's sad to think. Uh, my head cannon is still. Um. He he learned. He defies all odds. Mm-hmm. Even though he laughs at every um, horrible thing that happens now because of his head trauma. Um. That's a really weird like like detail that I always forget. Is that like he stuck? Oh with yeah, like, a like laugh. he he went to his sister's grave and laughed. Yeah, like yeah, that was a, that was a rough one. But yeah, I mean, me and Sebastian's even more. I mean, it's just well, same I mean, like if you want to go, you want to go head cannon there. I don't know. One day, Mia's flame burns out, and they're like, you know what? Hit me up. Let's see. Like, have you watched How I Met Your Mother? Mm-mm. No, I know. Oh, okay, I need okay. to. I need okay. to, though. Well, I won't ruin that for you, because mm. I was going to ruin it for you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, something like that with me and Sebastian. Maybe something there. <laughs> um, 
But, uh, yeah, Michael Burry, I mean, like, we know he succeeded. He he read the numbers. It was real, it was real life. Yeah, dude. He did succeed. Dude just read the numbers and, uh, was a smart man. But Murph, yeah, no, nah, Murph is, uh, on a different level. Oh, Murph! Murph's on a different level. <laughs> She's got love behind her. Love, Tars. Mm. Love. Parental love, Tars. Mm. Father-daughter love, Tars. Beautiful. Now we got the opposite here. We got the opposite. Who who is the least likely to succeed in in that way? End up in jail or dead? Uh, for me, I think I got to go Jordan Belfort. <laughs> like, given the actions yeah. that he takes, it is a a miracle that he is not dead. And B, a miracle that he is not still in jail. That's true. You know, he just ratted out everyone and just mm-hmm. was let go. <laughs> That's the thing. If we're, if we're going by the logic of literally most likely. That's true. He should be both. He should be both. I mean, everyone that isn't Django, it wasn't likely that Django was going to come come fuck around and do that. True. Uh the Armitage family has white privilege on their side. They had the whole order of the coagula thing going on. It was not likely that they were to be taken down anytime soon, and thus, thus this happens. Uh, Kaitek, I mean, yeah, if he were to come upstairs, he'd probably go to jail. But if he doesn't go upstairs, he'll live, he'll live as long as he can. And it won't be a happy life, but he will be alive. Mm. Um, I, guess, Dodge Landon, I guess that was he the other literally one. died, though, but... I think Jordan Belfort I mean, wins. I guess Jordan Belfort wins on both fronts. He's in jail yeah, and yeah. dead, while Dodge Landon is just dead. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> good logic. Like there, Jordan I Belfort guess. took the most. Like Dodge Landon, he didn't take action that he knew could kill him. Fair, you know. Yeah, Jordan Belfort did a lot of shit where it was like, yeah, I could have died that night. It's a miracle I'm not dead. That's insane. Driving home on, like, almost Odin. It was a miracle. I didn't hit a single fucking thing. (laughs) Not a scratch on the car. Nothing wrong. Nah, it's not exactly how it happened. He hit every single thing he possibly could You think he actually thought that he was driving well? I got to imagine that was like a a liberty taken with the creative choices to make it funny. I can't imagine he was just like, didn't feel a fucking thing. (laughs) Just drove all the way home. Like, uh... Wow. Because I can't fathom that being a real thing at all. Unless he was just like, you gotta be... I guess he did take, like, 14 expired Quaaludes that weren't expired. They just had a, a, a late, late ticker. You know? <laughs> what? Wow. That's... How did but if you... you fight the urge to fall asleep for 15 minutes, you get a pretty kick-ass high out of it. Dang. Yeah. Now that, the more we talk about it, yeah, the more it's, it's Jordan Belfort there. Yeah, that guy should be dead. I guess we, we've already... Certainly should still be in jail. For for our dream blunt, we've we've already put down Cooper Station slash the Fifth Dimension as the transportation slash location. Is there anything we've missed though that we've overlooked? 
I don't believe so. I think that is the uh, if I had to like come up with something else, it would be that one guy's Uber and blind spotting. Um, I like that. Uh, I like that car. I think that'd be a fun one to smoke up in. Uh, but sick. even so, I would like to smoke up on Cooper Station in the fifth dimension if I if I had the opportunity. Fair. Um, now we we only we, we pick three here. Um, yeah. So so let's uh, let's lay it out for the people here. In previous decades, in the seventies, we elected to smoke up with Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Don Vito Corleone on board the Millennium Falcon. Uh, in the 80s, we elected to smoke up with Indiana Jones, John Keating, and Totoro on board Cat Bus. In the 90s, we elected to smoke up with Ace Ventura, Morpheus, and Jules Winfield on the back of a Brachiosaurus. In the aughts, we elected to smoke up with Shaggy and Scooby along with Snoop Dogg while we are driving along in the mystery machine on the planet Pandora before the home tree destruction and war. <laughs> Very specific there. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it though. Like, it, is there anywhere <laughs> else you'd rather smoke than the mystery machine on Pandora? <laughs> mystery machine on Pandora pre home tree destruction and war? No, that's the first thing no. I thought of when I thought of the two thousands. <laughs> and you know what? It, following that logic, maybe we can drive that dude's Uber. <laughs> <laughs> on Cooper Station in the fifth dimension. Uh, I think I think these are all possibilities. But uh, <laughs> the Uber from motherfucker is this an Uber? There we go. <laughs> Uber from blind spotting aboard Cooper Station in the fifth dimension. No better way to put it, there, folks. Um, but yeah, so of our options for the Dream Blunt rotation, we got Colin and Miles from Blind, blind Spotting, Ki Jung from uh, uh, Parasite, Donnie Azoff, if he doesn't have any other drugs on his person, uh, from The Wolf of Wall Street, Rod Williams, TSA God, <laughs> um, Sebastian and Mia, Mark Hanna, <laughs> uh, and Naomi from The Wolf of Wall Street. So we got three Wolf of Wall Street, two Blind Spotting, two La La Land. Uh, one get out and one parasite. Um, all right. So what's crazy about this is my first easy choice is Mark Hanna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I have no doubts. I have no doubts that Mark Hanna is going to be there. Mm. Um, got to. Hey. You know, Murph. Murph will be laying there dying like Dad, and he'll be like, mm-hmm. "You guys jerked off twice today yet? You know, you're are you yeah, getting exactly. your numbers up. Will you once, <laughs> once after breakfast, and once on my lunch break." So much going on, swirling around in that dome. You got to put it somewhere. Bring me a martini, two olives, extra dry, and then the next five minutes and thirty seconds, bring me another one, and the next five, another. We you know, like, oh, dude was. You know what the fuel is here? Cocaine. <laughs> uh, okay, that's good. Is there? Nah, yeah, I think I feel uh... like Donnie Azoff. See, and that's no what's kind of crazy though. is that like I don't want them to bring other drugs. But if we're just going to be here for, like, one day. This is a dream. On the Uber for, from blind spotting aboard Cooper Station in the Fifth Dimension? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I do want Donnie Azoff, Mark Hanna, and, Leonard, and Jordan Belford to just really fuck me up one day. <laughs> With the drugs. You know what? If Donnie, if Donnie Azoff brings Quaaludes, who am I to be like, no? You know? Yeah. I know my limits, still. 
you know, I'm not, I'm not yeah, going to. It's not like, it's not like if Donny Azoff's like, smoke some crack with me, bro. Smoke some crack with me. I'm going to be like, nah, I'm good. Go ask Mark. Uh, he's probably down. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think, uh, I think he's got to be there. I think Donny, I think ultimately I got to have Donny Azoff involved. Now, here's the other thing now, though, is that I feel like Rod Williams and Colin would now be off-put by the fact that we have these two crazy motherfucking white men with That's us. That's true. Um, <laughs> Dang it. I think we can have... I th- and here's the thing. <laughs> I think if Donny Azoff's on the table, Rod Williams and Colin are automatically off the table. You know, like, they don't want to be around Donny Azoff. Mark Hanna, I think we could get away with. <laughs> now, that's the question. Would Colin be the third there? I think so. That's who I, that's who I highlighted was Colin initially. My fourth would have been, I think, Rod Williams. But I think now our three and four are by default out because of our one and two. But I is think that so fair? Too. Two, is that fair to Colin and Rod Well, here's Williams? my thing. We also have that part of the movie where Colin, uh, straight up, uh, he was on probation still, mm. I think. Or maybe it was the day he got off probation. But he straight up turns down weed for Miles. True. Miles offers him some weed, and he's like, you want to smoke up? And he's like, nah, man, I'm good. And do you really think a TSA agent would even want to? Do you think he'd probably be like a narc about it? He'd probably take... Rod Williams might be a narc about it. Or maybe he's the hookup because they probably confiscate so much every day for people trying to sneak it on planes. I'm not going to lie to you. Let me follow this line of thought with me for a moment. Okay, Donnie Azoff and Mark Hanna bring just mounds of cocaine, right? Like, obviously, they're Mark Hanna and Donnie Azoff. Um, I feel like they could really get the most out of Sebastian. Mm. <laughs> like, I think that if, like, we're, like... <laughs> if we're all together and Sebastian's like, yeah, I've got my, I've got my fucking piano... Let's really do this shit. Uh, and they just go ahead and give him, like, a bump of coke. Sebastian's set, you know? Like, he is having the time of his life playing that piano for us. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I feel like Ooh. we have the most to gain. I feel like we have the most to gain if Sebastian is fucked up there with us. Ooh. I like this line of thought. Because let's see who else is remaining. If... I don't think Mia wants to be in company with Donnie and Mark. No, nah, no, nah, that's an instant. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't um, be there. And and uh, Naomi, it's too Wolf of Wall Street heavy. That's only yeah. We, that, like we can't go three Wolf of Wall Street characters. No, um, no. Rod and Colin, we've already talked about Mia. And I think Rod, Colin, and Ki Jung all have the same problem: mm. being around these crazy, these crazy white men. Fair. Uh, Miles now, and then if you add Miles into it, you've got one more crazy white man, <laughs> and I can't, I can't have that. You know, I can only take so many crazy white men. That's why Sebastian is that happy medium. Wow, he's not, he's not crazy. Would you look at that? Well, that's not how I thought it would turn out. That's definitely not how I thought it would shake out. Uh, so yeah, we've got. <laughs> We got Donnie bringing. Uh, we'll, the come back to it. we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Let's do the nightmare <laughs> blunt rotation, and then we'll uh, we'll, uh, we'll revisit it. All right. So nightmare blunt rotation. The options here. Let's go back over the uh, the previous decades. Mm. In the seventies, we were uh, we were smoking 
No. Uh, we, we do not want to be. This is the ultimate, least optimal situation for us to be in. Uh, Travis Bickle, Darth Vader, and the shark from Jaws in Travis Bickle's taxi, which implies Travis Bickle has to be driving it. Um, yeah, that's that's a nightmare scenario. Death. Um, the 80s, we've got a, basically just being in The Shining. Um, the twins from The Shining, the lady in the bathtub from The Shining, everyone else in The Shining, inside The Shining Hotel, that's a nightmare. We're good. Don't I think need that. maybe to be fair, we just do one of those. To give it like, because basically if we just do The Shining, because that's basically what it is. Like The Shining ah, is, is just one, and then we can include uh, Neil's dad and the aliens. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's fair, that's fair. Yeah, because I definitely wouldn't want to be fucking with, yeah, alright, I like this. So, the 80s is now everyone in The Shining... Neil's dad and the alien, the mother alien from Aliens, inside the Shining Hotel. That is a nightmare. Um, <laughs> don't want to be there. Uh, our '90s uh, nightmare blunt rotation was John Doe, the serial killer from Seven, Agent Smith from The Matrix, and Tommy DeVito from Goodfellas. <laughs> and we are riding uh, on the backs of Velociraptors side by side, and that's uh, that is the ultimate mm. nightmare scenario. Uh, and the odds. The nightmare scenario is Scrappy-Doo. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how we got to oh, this conclusion. because at the top, the, he was the best at being the worst, and it was death by punt. And we were, punt, <laughs> we were punting him off of a bridge, and he happened to land ass first on Vader's saber off of the bridge is how we landed. That's how we, we did. That's how we gotcha. decided. Scrappy but here's my that. thing. My thing is like, how did Vader get involved at all? That's the funniest shit to me. I had to have been a little high when we were doing this one. Uh, Scrappy do post punt lands Asford on Vader. Ass first on Vader's saber. Uh, Prakash <laughs> from Slumdog Millionaire wow. and Colonel Miles Cordich. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we are <laughs> oh. on the well of souls on spooky island riding a taruk from avatar <laughs> taruk the big dude who hates everyone unless you're one of the people that can bond mm-hmm. with them yeah that that's that's terrible that's terrible. It's a nightmare scenario but now we are in and with the coagula it, like yeah, it, so that, that, our, our nightmare scenario is that we are at the order of Coagula. Ooh. Uh, they're all there. Uh, is the, yeah no no because you said you'd rather be in you would rather not be in the Coagula than the I would, limbo. I would but rather also the sunken. Pla- what about the sunken place? You're because oh. it's kind of both. You see it still okay, happening, yeah. and you're trapped and can't do anything about it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the sunken place is the night. Like, that's a combination of Limbo and the Order of Coagula. Yeah. Where nothing good is happening. Mm. Um, yeah, the sunken place is the nightmare place. I didn't. I can't believe we didn't think of that earlier. Um, but yeah, so nightmare blunt rotation options are Donnie Azoff, once again. <laughs> um, <laughs> he is in the dream blunt rotation also. I think we've uh, changed our mind on Donnie Azoff. 
I came around on him completely. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we <laughs> I think we don't erase him. We just give him a little line through to just yeah, know that he like, was there mind. at first. He was there, but then we were like, no, it's like <laughs> actually no. <laughs> no. It's like it's like Shawshank Redemption where they carved. It's like Donny Azoff was here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. So so was Red. Mm. Uh, but uh, Jeremy Armitage, uh, definitely, definitely among the worst of the worst. Um, Caesar, who I'm not, I'm not fully, fully confident is going to end up in this with mm. the, the trash ass people we've got going on here. Uh, Michael Burry, <laughs> uh, Calvin Candy, the Order of the Coagula, Keith from La La Land, and Officer Molina. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, I think that the, there are two very obvious candidates. Jeremy Armitage and Calvin Candy. Absolutely not. I don't want to be anywhere near them. Um, I feel like with the inclusion of Jeremy Armitage, we've eliminated uh, the coagula. Like, you know, like it's just kind of like he's the stand-in for the for the whole motherfucking order. Fair. You know what I'm saying? Like being around one of them is enough for me to go, yeah, I don't want to be here. Mm. Um, is Is it? Is it bullying to consider Michael Burry inside of our night? You know, is it is it mean to consider him a nightmare? Here's my thing. Uh, it might it might be ableist <laughs> because he, I mean, he would just blare his heavy metal music. Dude, uh, heavy metal in the sunken place is a nightmare. But here's the thing too: if Keith wanted to come talk to me in the sunken place about whatever the fuck he's got going on. I'm absolutely not there. Um, I love how much you're just fucking shitting on John Legend. Just like, yeah, I, we got to put him in there. I, I, I just, no. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I worry, I worry for him. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we are in there with Jeremy Armitage and Calvin Candy. That's so I almost want to go with Michael Burry. Too. Yeah. Like I almost want to go with Michael Burry to spare Keith. But uh, I can't do that. I have to go with what would be the worst possible scenario for me. Mm. Yeah, for okay. I can't be thinking. I can't consider others' feelings here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, Keith. I got to worry about me. Yeah. Is there like I'm like I'm <laughs> like I'm so damn. <laughs> mm. Oh shit. Damn. Like I'm a this... like I'm a. Ki Jung. We're the ones who need help. You know. I ain't worried about nobody else. Yeah, I can't be with Keith or Calvin Candy what's, or Jeremy Armitage. What's the worst situation that we've created so far? Like, what's which decade has the absolute worst? I think it's got to be the 80s. Um, I think The Shining, The Aliens, that's enough. And then you throw Neil's dad into the mix, and it's like, ah, oh, man, now I just got someone shitting on my mm. just general being. That, okay. I won't lie to you though, the '90s isn't happy. It's not happy. Serial killer, uh, Agent Smith. That's just gonna fucking tell you that and you're Tommy a Tommy DeVito, who could fly off the handle at any fucking moment. Never know what's gonna happen there. And we're on I will tell you which. Now let me ask you, which one would you like to be in the most of the nightmare? Yeah, or of, like which one uh, is like the like. I think it's got to be the 70s, because then at least I'm with Darth Vader. At least I'd probably get killed by Darth Vader. Or just get to hang out with Darth Vader. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, and a shark, that's pretty cool. True. Well, I mean, they're going to die, 
by Travis crashing the taxi or going AWOL or by Darth Vader just being Darth Vader or Jaws just going to eat me. Um, yeah, I guess that, that one is probably just the easiest. And, but but if I do survive, then it's like that's one hell of an experience. I, that's, one, that's one story you could. The anecdotal value that that would that would carry would be wow. that would be great. Um, Insane story, yeah, to be told there. Yeah, with that, our nightmare blunt rotation was Jeremy Armitage, Calvin Candy, and Keith in the sunken place. Uh, that's none of that sounds good to me. A slave owner, just, a basically a modern day slave owner. And John Legend, <laughs> like I just, it's uh, just I, it's it's his modern jazz shit. Like I'm just imagining us being like the sunken place, and he's like, he's like, we can start a fire, you know. Like uh, I don't, I don't know. I'd re- like, I love he'd it. Be like, you thought no, that was it. good, right? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. It goes up, John. Leave me alone. Mm. No, I love it. This, it's perfect. It's just, it's beautiful. <laughs> The these seem always just to work out great. Um, they just always come together. And then our dream blunt rotation <laughs> is Mark Hanna, Donnie Azoff, uh, and Sebastian. And you know Mark Hanna brought the Coke. Donnie Azoff brought the Quaaludes. And we are in the Uber from Blind Spotting on board Cooper Station within the fifth dimension. Damn. Now that. Nothing but dubs there. Nothing but that dubs there. That is a dub. This might be the biggest dub. Ooh, what's the biggest dub? Oh, in the uh, in the dream blunt rotations. Let's save that. Let's save oh, that true. for the, yeah, the master. The ma- the master oh, no, awards. that's what we'll be doing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, see. Okay. Uh, who's the biggest simp? Is it just brand for going across the universe? I think it. I think it almost certainly has to be. Let's get. Let's lay out the noms mm-hmm, though. True. Colin for Val and Blind Spotting. Cooper for Flight and Interstellar. <laughs> Uh, Kevin for Day High and uh, uh, Parasite. Brand for Doyle and Interstellar. Jordan Belfort for Naomi slash Drugs. Cobb for Mal. And Tars for Love. Um, love Tars. Love Tars. It's got to be everywhere. That's the key. Uh, but yeah, it's Brand for Doyle. <laughs> uh, she is the founding premise of Love Tars. True. Um <laughs> Dang, like she crossed the universe she to try and get to Doyle. She went through a wormhole, slung shot around a black hole to maybe meet her love again. That's in risk. She ended up being right. Damn true. Damn. It was love. And guess who's going to find her? Her new love. Or how would that work? Oh, is that gonna Oh, He's gonna show up. Well, you know, I think I think Brand and uh, Cooper had a yeah, there was some love in their relationship, but I don't think it was romantic mm. necessarily. Just, I think it was just more of a we are going through this insane experience yeah, yeah, together. Exactly. Fair. Um, that's fair. Shared trauma. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, not yeah. That's that's pretty. Well, who the who she joining? I guess with the the previous Sims. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the biggest Sims previously. Kurt in American Graffiti followed a girl the entire evening in American <laughs> Graffiti in the eighties. Knox Overstreet, who was just the biggest simp potentially of all time, uh, in the nineties. Never mind, it is Lloyd Christmas. Mm. 
who goes to Aspen, uh, not knowing this woman's name, having spoke to her once, thinking there is a real connection. Uh, in the odds, it is Jake Sully who abandons his human form to join the Navi. And there is some interesting, um, <laughs> uh, you know, if things we could discuss there. Aliens, and we did yeah. discuss it on our Avatar episode okay. about how how that hasn't aged the best. Um, it doesn't him work in changing species. any other situation. From human to alien, it does not work in any other way. Like... If it's same, it's the only way it was possible. Yeah, <laughs> insane that like I just never thought about that before. Like, I was just like, oh yeah, he's he's it's in a, a real... blue body now. Cool, you know, like um... yeah, Avatar's a real white savior ass story there though. Yeah. Like it's it's hard, um, but yeah, and then Brand for Doyle, Brand's the biggest simp of the uh, mm. of the tens, which is uh, not an easy feat. Shout out to Anne Hathaway. Uh, but let's go on to best and worst hair. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Best hair, we've got Colin with his hair straightened, Colin with his braids, uh, Donnie Azoff with his beautiful curls, Teresa with her beautiful big hair, and Mia's eyebrows in La La Land. I say if you took Mia's eyebrows from La La Land and Teresa's big hair, you might have the perfect head of hair. Whoa. Might be able to slap a co-winner on this one. Get a little Photoshop job going here. I think this is a possibility. Um, nah, but yeah, that that wins. I mean, we need the hair. It's Teresa's hair, but Mia's eyebrows. Mia's eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the, no, there's no overlap there. You know. Yeah, that's all's fair. Yeah, that works for me. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think the the girls take the cake here on here. Calling. Yeah, I mean, Donnie Azoff and Colin have great hair, but. I mean, Teresa's hair just washes all of it, yeah. and Mia's eyebrows are superior. Mm. Um, and worst hair, I'm going to go Mark Baum just because I feel weird about giving it to Junsei. Yeah. Um, I feel like Mark <laughs> Baum deserves it. Uh, that's a terrible wig. Um, the good hair before. But, uh, yeah, best... uh, yeah, Leia. I mean, obviously. Leia did have some kick-ass hair. Sarah Connor with some amazing <laughs> hair in the 80s. Ace Ventura with potentially the greatest head of hair of all time in the 90s. <laughs> Uh, Pai May and Kill Bill nice. <laughs> for best hair in the odds, and now Teresa for uh, for the tens. Worst hair, Travis Bickle, easy oh. in the uh, in the seventies, uh, in the eighties. Allison from the Breakfast Club, it's pretty rough. A lot of dandruff in there. Uh, in the nineties, also Ace Ventura, pretty terrible head of hair while being awesome. Uh, in the ten, <laughs> in the odds, it was Costello from The Departed. That was uh that was Jack Nicholson's yeah. character, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty bad, pretty bad. And then Mark Baum in the in the tens. Let's top the show off with the best pair of the decade. Um, now this is a this is going to be a trend breaker. Mm. Now let me tell you why. The movie of the decade in the seventies, Star Wars, Luke Skywalker <sighs> and Leia Organa win best pair. In the eighties, Indiana Jones and Ravenwood win best pair. It also wins movie of the decade for Raiders of the Lost Ark. In the 90s, Red and Andy Dufresne, best pair, Shawshank Redemption, wins best movie of the decade. In the odds, Jamal and Latika get best pair. Best movie goes to Slumdog Millionaire. In the 10s, we do not have a nom for Parasite. And it is already movie of the decade. There's no way to avoid it, though. We came to this conclusion. Oh, no. 
And there's no pair in that movie, really. That really sticks out, you know? Like, uh, maybe the housekeeper and the dude living under the living under the house. Yeah, but not... Nah, no. Definitely not the best. Love and Tars, but, I mean... Uh... Yeah, so our, our noms are <laughs> Jordan Belfort and Donny Azoff, Mia and Sebastian, Colin and Miles, Django and Dr. King, Schultz, Cooper and Murph, Caesar and the big homie ape. Um, I got an easy winner here. Yeah? Yeah. It's the whole movie. Um, It's Mia and Sebastian, man. (laughs) We're keeping in pace with that Jamal and Latika, but inversing it, you know? They got together at the end of the movie. Mia and Sebastian sadly fall apart. But it's what needed to happen. uh, You know, Parasite won Best Direction and Writing and then in turn won Movie of the Decade. But the other movie that was in talks of Best Direction, La La Land, and we mentioned it with writing as well. Um, uh, you know, it was kind of the third. To it was right there. I think it was. I think it was my second um, choice for movie of the decade for yeah, me personally. Yeah, there, there we go. Um, so it's it, it breaks the trend, but only because we just had a really, really good movie. Only because Parasite was that good. The pair, best pair, is just Parasite the movie itself it God the damn. class the rich and the poor the best pair the well i guess that isn't best a pair. really good pair the rich and the poor i guess no it's kind of sad actually um, so maybe the, no but the best pair yeah. is parasite <laughs> yeah i mean like what's if i'm gonna have any pair it's gonna be a pair of sight sheesh you know what i'm saying wow but wow, yeah, a trend breaker. That is crazy. Hey, it had to happen at some point. There was no way it was going to hold up all the way through. And I'm glad I'm glad it didn't. Mm-hmm. It means that we're we're will it wasn't <laughs> a fluke, you know. It wasn't that it just it wasn't that we made it happen, you know, yeah. like Yeah, like if if it had the best pair, it happened to have the best movie of the decade. This time that proves to not be the case, and I dig that. Yeah. But uh that's our last award with me and Sebastian taking the cake for the best pair of the decade. Wow. And with that, we conclude the 2010s. The next time we do an award show, it'll be for every decade we have done. Putting all the winners against all the winners and only having the goodies left for you. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we'll do a 2020s awards probably on Patreon.com slash Bloom. Just a little, little mini one since we'll only have three movies as options. Pick some winners and then we'll put the – we'll just go ahead and put those winners into – um, into the award show mm-hmm. for the uh, for the overall decades awards. Yes, sir. But yes, this Friday, fifty-two year journey through film continues with twenty twenty's Nomadland, mm-hmm. directed by Chloe Zhao. Gonna be a tough one to watch. I've heard from you, so I'm but I'm ready for it. I've heard. I, I have also heard it is quite sad. Quite sad. Um, so looking forward to that, but I can tell you for sure that December will not end on a low note as we will also have tick, tick, boom and everything everywhere all at once, everything everywhere all at once. I can't think of a way that is better to end this project. I'm so excited for that. We're only three movies away, man. We are almost done. Man, crazy, 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 crazy shit, bruh, crazy shit. But with that. We conclude 
the 2010's Penny Bloom Film Awards. It was I, Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And as I mentioned prior, please head to patreon.com slash Bloom where you'll find over 40 hours of exclusive content. I'm always posting up some new comic book reviews, some movie reviews, uh, some book reviews, all all that shit. And it's always exclusive to patreon.com slash Bloom. All it will cost you is a cheap $3 per month. Uh, it helps, us, helps me put this podcast on as I uh, don't make any money off of it and it costs money to make. So, uh, be a huge help over there. Uh, head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. Uh, remember, peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Parasite.